Welcome to Callum and David Make It Better. This is, of course, our weekly podcast where we look at some of the worst films throughout cinematic history and see if we can put our money where our mouths are and use our combined 30, 40 years of experience of writing uh, theatre, literature, other bits and bobs to see if we can indeed make it better. The bits and bobs are what make it really important. That's yeah. what really, that's what my favourite part of your CV what is where you I... just go down past the past experience bit and it just mm. says bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. Oh, yeah. What do I mean? I think I probably mean, uh, for example, the time when we wrote uh, an anthem for a very questionable governmental uh, collection of countries. Yeah. yeah. One of those countries was Russia. Yeah. Let's yeah. not talk about that's that. not good, is it? No. We didn't know at the t- well. Ah. We didn't. We didn't really ask, did we? No, we didn't really no, ask. No, which isn't a massive excuse. Anyway, well, yeah, very young and very drunk. Um, we're not here to talk about our questionable career choices. No, uh, we are here indeed to talk about the two thousand and five uh, sci-fi action thriller. I mean, that—that's the first problem, really, isn't it? Um, you'll notice that I'm in quite a silly mood. I would apologise, but if you just watched the film that we just have to sit through, then you'd be in a silly mood too, because it's a silly way of coping, really, with what is uh, pretty, just a massive budget load of nonsense. So yes, the film in question is Alone in the Dark. Uh, Came out, as I say, in 2005, based on the 1992 game uh, and subsequent kind of game series, Alone in the Dark, the same name. Uh, Now, the game itself is pretty well respected in terms of video game circles it's known as being one of the first kind of survival horror video games sort of a uh, silent hill resident evil in that kind of uh, yeah. early early sort of survival horror uh video games and um it was when people quite excited about seeing a, a sort of film uh version of it uh sadly uh though the film was written and directed by yui bol now yui bol is really kind of known these days as being like the modern edward like he right, is yeah. uh the guy that has made every bad video game adaptation like that's his thing that's like, his he thing takes right video games and makes dreadful dreadful film adaptations of them so much so he actually ended up retiring from making films in 2016 and became a restaurateur um oh. but uh yeah and and also known for for not being particularly easy to work with on set holding quite a number of questionable beliefs uh one of which we discovered doing our research for this film yeah um have uh, to address that at some point yeah so uh we yeah we're fully expecting it to uh not be particularly good although it does have a hundred percent better rating than last week's film because this one is is that maths right i don't know this is one percent yeah yeah and uh so one percent would be a hundred percent more than zero percent, wouldn't it? I don't no, know. It, uh, no, 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 it would be one percent. Well, no, it is a hundred percent of one. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's tw- it's. It, 
Oh, I don't know. No, I don't know. No, we're we're from the uh, the the Blair generation. It was Rishi Sunak's generation. It'd be all over that. This is why we need. This is why we need the math. Come that on, will solve maths everything. To eighteen. That's what we need. Exactly. Um, then yeah. you can count how long it will take for an ambulance to get to you when you're done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, yeah, it is a dreadful film. I will say, though, you know, there are lots of things that, that are good about it. And, and as we get to the end of the podcast, as, uh, you know, if you've been listening for the last couple of episodes, you'll know what we're doing now is that we're actually, uh, as David says, putting our money where our mouth is and offering ways to improve this film or taking the main ingredients of this uh, UA bolognese and turning it into something uh, that you might see, perhaps, on his uh, restaurant menu. Excellent. Now, eagle-eared listeners. Eagle-eared? No, mm. I don't... No? They have ears. Well, they must uh, do. They've got very good hearing, but back. you never see an eagle's ears, do you? Pippistrill-eared listeners uh, <laughs> will okay. remember that last week uh, in the uh, kind of outro, we mentioned that the next film we'd be doing would be Manos the Hands of Fate. So I just wanted to address oh, yeah. that for those of you that do pay close attention to these podcasts. I mean, why you do find a hobby. <laughs> uh, but uh, we did, of course, say that would be the next uh, thing we would discuss. Mm-hmm. However, when we did the research for it, although it is known as being one of the worst films ever made, uh, you know, Mystery Science Theatre 3000 and, and all those kind of guys have... have torn it to shreds and it's 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 kind of commonly uh yeah talked about in bad movie circles we did as we mentioned last week um set these kind of rules for ourselves about uh not punching down not choosing films that didn't either have you know a studio behind them or a cinematic release or at least you know a wide home movie yeah kind of release uh i think as i said last week kind of films that we wouldn't be able to make ourselves <laughs> yeah. and looking at the uh background of Man of the Hands of Fate, it was made by someone with no experience in filmmaking. It was made apparently by a uh, due to a bet with a screenwriter so... and none of the cast had prior acting experience and it played in like one drive-in movie theatre in El Paso and then it disappeared for 40 years. So Not quite punching up. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a discussion and we felt like it wasn't fair to do that film. So, we are here doing Alone in the Dark instead which did have a cinematic release it was a studio production it was a 20 million dollar budget mm-hmm. uh it recouped about 12 and a half million um yeah and uh Which is, i mean pretty amazing yeah 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 uh but yeah nevertheless again one percent on rotten tomatoes another one of these films that's commonly regarded as one of the worst films ever made uh, got an f from uh, cinema score which is another review aggregator website um and uh yeah generally pretty panned and and rightly so um and we're about to find out why you are about to find out why so we open if you can call it that it's a prologue it's a we start with a prologue it's a prologue it was uh one minute and 30 one minute 34 one minute 34 seconds of text on a screen being read out um might i add by ua bowl himself oh was that him <laughs> was he went, oh, voice yeah okay interesting convention to set that there is a narrator Mm. um and the narrator is a a, not a character in the film let's make the one minute 34 they've set that convention um and and the the prologue uh kind of scrolls up a little bit like the kind of star wars movies used to right Um, star wars and you know 
one positive straight out the gate it is a big tick for accessibility because mm-hmm. it, it is not only scrolling visually but the words as we say are being read out by the director as well yeah. so covers very inclusive absolutely um, you know 2005 had of its time perhaps and if there's Uebol. something we know about Bowl, he's all about inclusivity he's all about inclusivity oh, he's everyone's included to feel uncomfortable <laughs> um. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, in this prologue, uh, it starts by saying, uh, back in 1967, there was um, a a mad doctor called Dr. Hudgens, Mm. um, who, for the rest of the film, will be called Dr. Hutchins. But actually, it's Hudgens, because it's on the screen. (laughs) Vanessa Um, Hudgens. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Think Vanessa Hudgens, um, but not quite as sexy. Um, He, Well, he has his moments. Uh, Dr. Hudgens, uh, uh, apparently, in 1967, was researching... Uh, 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 this ancient civilization called the Abkhani, um, who uh, used uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics um, quite specifically, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come on to that a bit later. Um, I don't know why, but they were an American civilization, so mm. they only existed on the American continent, North America, uh, and uh, went as far as Newfoundland um, and as south as, as South American continent. Um, and they had this amazing civilization, hugely advanced, but they had a thing for um, kind of understanding the, what, what is referred to in the prologue as the dark and the light. And the Abkhani famously found a gateway between the lightness on Earth and the darkness on Earth. And as soon as they realized that they let uh, the darkness in, they decided to use their you know, advanced knowledge to keep it at bay. And they did that by using gold. Um, and, uh, and and a mixture of other elements that will come into play later, um, and that's uh, and that's what this Dr. Hudgens uh, was researching um, back in 1967. So we got a taste for this, um, and and that's uh, that's all we know really. Um, it, oh no, we do know also that he uh, ba- he used an abandoned co- uh, gold mine, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting as well when we think about the gold element. He used an abandoned gold mine uh, and set up a an evil research lab where he did experiments on uh, 20 subjects. Um, All of these subjects uh, um, were said in the prologue to have survived the torture, the experiments, very much kind of, uh, I mean, sensitive comparison to make, but similar to the kind of Dr. Death yeah. Uh, Nazi camps kind of drawing on some of that I thought you meant Harold Shipman for a second I was like mm. that would have been as dark possibly dark I don't mm. know well I don't know let's not let's not rate it it's all pretty bad though. <laughs> they're def- all not... untrustworthy doctors no let's let us know let us know um What's what's a worse doctor, <laughs> Nazi death camp doctor or Harold Shipman? I think Nazi death camp doctor, but I think they, I mean, it's all lie. It depends on your moral compass, really, isn't it? That's true. Yeah, if you're Kantian, then mm. you know it's all it's all evil, isn't it? True. You know, um, true. Uh, so so yeah, uh, that's what we know in the prologue. It went on for a long time for quite a lot of backstory, um, but it's all right because we're going to hear it all again over the next <laughs> uh, half. Now, before we move on, I don't have a problem with you know uh fantasy or science fiction or things like that yeah but i find it very difficult when there is a kind of blend of (laughs) yeah like like real world Mm -hmm. and then like nonsense fantasy now i 
The issue is 10,000 years for me. Yeah. It's not long enough ago because yeah. you're talking about a wealth of information we have about what's happening. About 8,000 BC, so you're talking about you know Neolithic age, like middle of the agricultural revolution. Like you're like we know what was happening with human civilization. Yeah, uh, at that time. So that's one. It's a bit like when we did um, when we did uh, Santa's sleigh mm-hmm. and that whole story of Santa being banished satan but it happened a thousand years ago and we're like well no that's the middle ages like yeah. we know this is yeah. documented historically uh <laughs> what happened and it's like you you can you can do that and make it ten thousand yeah. years ago if you make it clear that this is all set in an alternate world where that would have been possible and exist and we would have known about that. yeah but you're not you're setting it in the real world and saying there was a something that happened ten thousand years ago that's complete nonsense so you're going well it's, it's kind of a real world but it's a real world in which we we haven't made the archaeological advances that we have. Like it, yeah. it, it's it's like it's there's just an inconsistency there that really bugs me. And in a way, only Americans could make this kind yeah, of yeah because mistake. they don't think it, it was any history four hundred years ago. Well, yeah, to a certain extent, but also, I mean, this is a country that puts creationists into office. Like, I mean, yeah. it's very difficult because that yeah. is exactly the reason why we have an extremely right-wing yeah. Republican Party at the we, moment. Like, we have people who literally believe the world was b- made 7,000 years ago. I think, I think it's seven. Seven, it's, seven, seven. They expanded. I think, think 7,000 years is is supposedly when, when God made the world, I think. I mean, yeah, uh, just insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, have the... The fantasy of religion. Sorry, any questions? Just any, any. I mean, <laughs> going in, going in hard. Strong, yeah, no, but also like have that, but yeah. also keep your own logic. Yeah. Don't ignore the fact that dinosaurs existed. Yeah, like yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Anyway, uh, there's a there's already quite a lot of kind of weird questions. Um. But at the end of that prologue, we learned that yes, uh, the people who experimented on, um, uh by uh, Dr. Hudgens, survived as sleepers. Mm. Now, we don't learn any more about what that is, uh, because now the film's going to start. Yeah. We're all sitting comfortably. Mm-hmm. Let's begin. We open with Christian Bloody Slater and his little handsome widow's peak. No, we don't. Yes, we do. No, we don't. Oh, what? We don't. We open. We open immediately with it saying 22 years ago, right? that was after because the whole because the whole conversation we had was you can't open a film saying 22 years ago because you don't know you don't know the content from when no you're right you don't know when the film's set I'm really sorry I'm really sorry I deleted that bit yeah (laughs) it's it's very important you're right start saying 22 years ago and we don't know when that's from but we do know the film was made in 2005 yeah so So presumably this is 1983 okay so I'm assuming when I'm yeah when I'm when I'm watching it it originally, when it came out, I'm it's twenty. I'm meant to assume it's twenty two years ago. So eighty eighty three. Yeah. So um, so we open. So the two characters in this to let us know that it's nineteen eighty three. One of them does. It, it, Doctor Hudgens is dressed in a kind of um kind of an eighties suit. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then there's a nun yeah. who is straight out of Call Midwife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm not really forty six, forty seven. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, that's quite specific. That, yeah. Yeah. that whole yeah, post war, post war nun. Yeah, um, post war nun. Uh, and Hudgens and his co agent. Um, yeah. We don't really know who they are at this point. And it's like a school. It's an orphanage. Yeah, an orphanage. Yeah. Um, and they are 
moving, transferring 20 children from the orphanage in the middle of the night. Yeah. And she's not that happy about it. No. And he says, just remember, when they call, you tell them that they were taken away um, and they're all, they're all and they, gone. They've all disappeared. And they've all disappeared, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you don't know what's happened. Yeah. And she says, oh, I don't know. If I'm sure about that. Anyway, then the other agent comes back and says, hey, there were 20 of them. There's only 19 now. That means one's gone missing. Maths, again. Yeah. Very quick Very maths. good. Very good. So, uh, so, so we know there was a missing person yes uh, not not kidnapped uh and then do we go to Christ- yeah. christian Slater? so yeah then we cut to a, a, a very brief kind of jump cutty thing of a boy and like a close-up into a boy's eye and lots of yeah on the screen and then christian Slater wakes up and oh he was having a nightmare Lots of ah, yeah. He's not being lazy. That's. I mean, I don't know how else you describe it. Yeah. You. You. Yeah. Um. Whatever you're imagining when you hear that. That's. Yeah. That's what it is. Hmm. Um. And he's on a plane. Yeah. Um. And uh, he's sat next to a little boy, and the little boy says, "Oh, don't, don't. Did you have a nightmare? Did you have a nightmare? Yeah. And he goes, "You don't need to be afraid of the dark." My mum says. My mum says, and he says, "No, no, well." No, actually, being afraid of the dark is the only thing that keeps you alive. Your mum's wrong, Your mum's he says. Wrong. I'm like, oh, yeah, harsh. And that's uh, and that's Christian Slater. And that's Christian Slater. Um, and then he gets off. He gets off. And we cut also between mm-hmm. the Christian Slater landing at the airport. Yeah. And a boat. An old man on a boat. Oh, yeah, an old man on a boat who is uh, Hudgens but older. Hudgens but older. Um, and he's and... on a mobile phone. Yeah. And he's giving instructions to someone. He says, uh, he's got an artifact. I want you to secure the artifact and, and then kill him. Kill him, yeah. So we know that he's a bad guy. Yeah, because he's, he's just ordered guy. death. I mean, we kind of already knew he was a bad guy because he just abducted 20 children from from an orphanage. Well, yeah. And also, presumably, yeah. we, we haven't been told this, but it would make sense if we assumed he was Hudgens from the minute and a half prologue that we've just watched. <laughs> Does it explain in that? in that orphanage scene, why the nun is allowing this to happen. No. he. She's just meant... He, he's just telling her what she's got to do. Yeah. Like, in a threatening way. But, and then she's just like, oh, yeah. And then she does. She tells... She lies to the news. She's complicit in all of this. She, she lies to the press about but, it, yeah. But there's never a callback about her being involved in this, is no. it? Like, she... When she does come back and she's played as being lovely nun and i'm like are you all responsible for this there may be some aristotelian comeuppance for none mm. uh no, we'll have to wait true. towards we'll the end of the yeah. film but um, yeah there's no explanation as to why so um, yeah so yes you're right there's the brief cut back to hudgens on the boat uh ordering someone's death and, and then, then and then we christian slater gets uh, out of the gets airport out the boat, gets out the airport and what i have written is um really unclear and weirdly direct narration so it's it's following him and there's a and his voice comes in over the top but it doesn't feel like narration it feels like it's one of those things where like it's gonna cut it's someone else an an editing thing yeah Yeah. and and like it's actually you're getting the dialogue of the next scene before you get to the next scene and it's gonna be like that but then he goes because he's going 
he says, oh, I suppose you think I was a bit harsh to that kid. Yeah. And I was like, well, that would be a weird thing to say. Oh, no, no, that is narration. And that's what I mean. I was like, it feels odd that you're talking very directly to the, the audience. audience. Yeah. It's a like complete breaking, breaking of the fourth, the breaking wall. Of the fourth wall. Like you're aware of the scene we've seen, which is not, which is different to just ordinary mm, kind of narration. Yeah. yeah. It's like Deadpool. And he's not. It's... Yeah. But Deadpool talks to the camera. Whereas this guy yeah. doesn't. We're watching him <laughs> and he's does. not aware yeah. that a, a future him will be narrating what yeah. we're seeing. Yeah. It's a director's commentary narration. <laughs> Which would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the style of it, right? Yeah, no, that is it. That Which is would it. make sense if it was being narrated by Iwe Boll, who narrated the first uh, yeah. minute and a yeah. half. Well, no, different... yeah. it's being narrated by the fictional character Edward Car- Carnby. Con, 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 con be, con be, It sounds wrong. It, can't be, yeah, because it's really difficult to say. Yeah, it is difficult. Con be, con be. You want to say carnaby, or you want to say carny? Yeah, con be, con be, con be, Edward Carnaby would be <laughs> weird though. <wouldn't> be? Hello, <laughs> I'm Christian Slater playing Edward Carnaby. Sir Edward Carnaby, ah, eccentric finder of artifacts. <laughs> Hey, hey, maybe we'll use that later on. Do you know what? I don't mind that. Yeah, suddenly it's That's become uh, like an ancillary character in the um, in, in, in the, the the finding of the map franchise. What's the finding of the map the rock franchise. Was in it. The rock was the in it. The finding. What the mummy? The mummy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they find maps and they go find treasures. That's your. That's the main takeaway for you of that film franchise. And Brendan Fraser being beautiful. He's finding maps. Well, they always find a map first, don't they? Before they do anything else. They go, oh, oh, found another map, or better go to the ends of the earth with it. What's it, what's it, what's it say? Oh, I don't know. I can't, I've forgotten everything I've ever studied. There's also mummies in it, though. But I don't really, that's not important. Okay. <laughs> maps are the main thing. It's mainly you about You know that film maps. about the maps. If you hadn't said The Rock, I wouldn't have, I was thinking National Treasure. Yeah. Um, which I mean, is more Nick a film Cage. about a mummy, specifically a film about a I've map. never seen National Treasure. I'm pretty sure I've seen a mummy when I was <laughs> one of the, <laughs> seen one of the mummy films. Not a, a mummy. seen your mummy. Oh, hey, now, oh. rude. No, we'll have less of that. Um, right. Let's get back to the film <laughs> on the subject of insulting uh, people's mothers. Christian Slater <laughs> comes back, starts narrating his own life from the future. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know what's going on. This is five and a half minutes into the film now. So so it's quite an odd time to start yeah. introducing a central character. But there we are. Um, he gets into a New York white, yellow taxi. Sorry, I meant to say um, the prologue. <laughs> yeah. Is apparently only there because test audiences when I have no idea what's happening with this film. And so that's, and I think that maybe that's why it is Yui Bob, right? Because it was a last minute thing last before minute they released thing. it of going, okay, oh. no one understands what this film's about. What we'll just do all the context yeah. just all at once for nearly two minutes. Fine. And we'll have the director read it out. What a weird thing to do. It, yeah, it's a really stupid thing to do. But. I mean, 2005 it was a lot of money to throw around, wasn't it? In those it days, was. no, very. But not enough to give this budget. This film does actually need more than 20 million. Yeah. To do what it's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's, let's carry on. We've got so much to get through. He gets into a New York cab. Yes. So you might think, or in New York, mm. he has a young kind oh, of. Oh, for goodness' sake! That is. That is a point. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, anyone out there. 
Um, but I have so sorry. It's weird because the film is set in California. Mm-hmm. I have been to California, albeit about a decade ago, so uh, I can't quite remember. But I swear they don't have yellow cabs in California. I swear yeah, that's a New I'm York thing. Not been aware I'm, of I might cabs. be wrong. I might be wrong. But you, that is that. Yeah, that's weird. That it that they're New York cabs. They're New York yellow cabs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know what the airport is because I haven't. I, 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 it didn't look it like didn't LAX. Look like, it wasn't LAX. Nice. Um, but it was some airport. Where's he come from? Uh, no idea. It's never, no, that's weird as well, isn't it? He's been on some expedition. Like, oh, it's just irrelevant. It well, don't matter. show him on a plane then if it's not relevant. Yeah, but how could he have been rude to a boy? <laughs> so he got in the cab and he's having a chat with his cab driver. Yeah. And they're having a good old natter. And I quite like the way this conversation was shot, actually, because instead of using like a green screen for the windows, mm. they clearly had the car towed, which yeah. I much prefer. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, this yeah. is so much more believable until the cab driver gets really enthusiastic and just decides to stop looking at the road and <laughs> yeah. turn around. That is true. To have a conversation um, with someone. like, well, now I know you're driving. But you've just given me the perfect uh, excuse to bring this up because uh, I kicked myself last week. Because neither of us mentioned the worst oh, green God, screen yeah. we'd ever it's seen. Terrible to green br- screen. Briefly, going back to X versus Seven. Go and listen if you haven't yet. It's doing great guns. It is actually. Um, yeah. yeah. So thank you all for those of you who have. Uh, and if you haven't, what are you doing? Go and listen to it. But we should have mentioned last week that there are, there is a scene where they're all in a car at one point, and it is unbelievably <clears> bad green <throat> screen. Just dreadful. Like, it's just not. It's just so two dimensional. It's just the wrong like color grade. Like it's like in the sky and atmosphere Speed doesn't look is like that. The speeds right. are yeah, it's it's absolutely dreadful. So yes, uh, remembering that from only a week ago, I was I was as well quite glad that they'd made that decision, uh, which I think you should always do because surely it's cheaper. Yeah, I mean, you'd I don't think know. so. Maybe. I mean that's what they used to do before yeah. green screen tech came in, and yeah. it was great. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, no idea. Yeah. It's yeah, bizarre. Did you see that um all that controversy uh, a year or two ago about uh carpool karaoke because someone had because it's him being someone towed. took a yeah. photo of him in the yeah not not driving it yeah which kind of makes sense also, yeah yeah because and i mean i'm i'm no fan of cordon but it was quite funny when he was like what, what did you, you expect think? i was doing <laughs> but yeah i think i actually know my way around la yeah um so he gets in the cab. We only got this far. He gets in the New York cab and he's chatting away. And he, the taxi driver's young and he's like, "What do you do, man?" And he's like, "Oh, you don't want to know." And he's like, "Yeah, I do. It's the it's the best part of the job. It's finding out about people's lives." Uh, and he goes, "Well, I'm going to tell you what I am." Sorry, just another brief yeah. note from my research was that this um, scene was the uh, inspiration for Jenny Mitchell's Big Yellow Taxi. <laughs> That's 100% true. Mm-hmm. You don't just get entertained on this. Exactly. You get, get facts. Stone cold facts. Straight facts. Um, so he gets it. Yeah, he has the conversation. He says, that's the best part about finding out about people's lives. I love, you know, what do you do? He says, okay, I'll tell you. I'm a paranormal investigator. Mm. And he's like, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm now just enjoying the fact that stopping cool. stopping you from moving forward from yeah, the well, yeah the but trail. then you're you're punishing all the listeners as well. Oh, that's true. Sorry, everyone. Um, so anyway, he says, "Oh, cool, uh, great." Uh, and there's some more small talk, and then he says, "Oh, you can do me one favor." And the driver says, "What's that?" He's like, 
that cab two cars behind us has been following us for a while it's another yellow taxi because yeah. all yellow taxis uh that's how new york works right so it's, it's a big yellow taxi i'd it's, say <laughs> um it's a medium-sized <laughs> yellow taxi now i said to you i i don't feel like they've they're that far away from the airport yet for it to be noticeable that it's been following him since, no. I mean, since he left the airport no, a minute like, ago. Turned one corner. Like, yeah. Probably all of the ta- all of because you're all going the same way out of the airport. Yeah, like I mean, I, felt really, I was like, oh, at least have done like a time passes like no. Not, so we're a bit further. Like no. feels like we've moved on and you'd be aware that someone's following you. But I was like, you, you've you've just left. But this is an actual adventure thriller sci-fi video game, True. and that means we need to get to the action so <clears throat> he says do you want me to lose him for you and christian slayton says yeah actually if you could that'd be great and so he puts the pedal to the metal and he off he goes room room how old do you think he is by the way? 19 maximum maybe 15 i thought about eight <laughs> no because <laughs> you don't understand ages of anyone oh yeah when they're young I, I, nine. You don't. Everyone's 12, <laughs> middle-aged, or dead. That's it. Yeah, accurate. Unless they're under 12, in which case you call them all, they're all babies. <laughs> yeah, they're a newborn baby. They're not a well, baby, they're a four-year-old. baby, <laughs> yeah. 12. Middle-aged. Middle-aged, about 45. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and dead. dead. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Those are the four ages of man by David Chopland. So... He puts the pedal to the metal and they go into a car chase and straight off the bat, the person who's following them is like, yeah. goes into him, smashes into the back of the car. Cab driver's like, oh man, my boss is going to be so mad. I'm like, oh, is it, is it like a funny, is it like jokes? It doesn't matter. He's not going to be important for very long. Uh, they smash up the cars and, and they do all this. The minute they start the car chase, they turn a corner off the main road. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, <laughs> we've got New York cabs and... And we're in America. We don't know where it's at at this point in, without researching it. Uh, and we take a right turn and suddenly we're in what looks like, to me, if I'm being really honest, I thought it looked like a kind of South American market. Yeah, like a Colombian yeah, food market. Yeah, it did, yeah, right? That's what it looked like. And then I was like, where, where is this set? Because mm. that's a good point. I but it has to be, But we've got the New York cabs, but then yeah. also we don't know what that airport was. Yeah. And it doesn't look like anything that particular... And then throughout the course of this chase through Danta, all these kind of people are being thrown and there's oranges on the cars and everything you've ever seen in any Bond film ever, yeah. uh, except worse. And then uh, actually it looks like they're all kind of East Asian characters. And then there are lots of Chinese signs. And you said, oh, I think they're in a Chinatown, aren't they? They're in, yeah. they're in they're a Chinatown presumably city, yeah. Chinatown, New York, presumably. Yeah, yeah. well, that, um, that was that. That was what I then assumed because that's yeah. the only Chinatown in the world that could potentially look like that. Although, even so, I, I was in Chinatown, New York, quite some point of time last year, and uh, it doesn't look like that. But um, yeah, so that's not. But where it but, was, it, but but it would have be been the closest. It's the sort of the largest. Um, that kind of thing globally. So but, that's yeah. where. It obviously must be. Um, and a man tries to kill Kristen Stater for about, I don't know, 10 minutes. Um, and he just won't die, will he? He's being beaten it... up. He gets shot three times by Slater. Yeah. There's a bit of martial arts. Slater knows martial arts. Only for this scene. Yeah. It's the only time he uses yeah. it. But he's excellent. He's just like Echo. Again, 
X. Oh, sorry, X versus Sever. Yeah. E- Eka. Eka. That's a really lazy yeah. portmanteau. Yeah. But, but Eka. Eka. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's when you should mention that because again, it is it is clearly this this still set you know six years on this this matrix effect of yeah. every action film for years and years afterwards was so trying you know uh, in fact there is a a literal bullet time sequence in this yeah fight yeah where there it's is the yeah. point of view of a bullet. But again, it's like, you know, it's like Partridge. Stop getting Bond wrong. It's yeah. like, stop getting all the things wrong. Because it is that. But it's too long. It goes on for ages following the bullet. And yeah. then and it goes through him. And then it doesn't do anything to him. And so I was like, oh, he must be one of these... What, what are they called? Akan, Akan, Akbakani? Abkani. Abkani people. Alf Garnet. Alf Garnet. He, Ab- must, Ab- he, must be, he must be Alf Garnet. Yeah. Because um, otherwise he's dead. Yeah. Uh, so we and then he shoots him again in the heart. And he's fine. And then. And, and then he runs. And, and then he's a bit like. Um, it's a bit like. Uh, uh, what's his name? Robert Robert Patrick, is it? In um, the Terminator 2 that plays the sort of super duper Terminator that's even better than Schwarzenegger. It's sort of that, you know, kind of racing and and sort of far, faster than a human would be able yeah. to travel and all that kind of stuff. And there's a little bit of for one only for one shot that he floats like kind of <laughs> like a John Woo movie. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. Um, I'm like, oh, you're a bit crouching tiger hidden, Abkani, and then <laughs> and then it's all over after that because very shortly after he gets impaled on a spike. <laughs> Uh, and that, and that kills him. Spike. I don't yeah. know why that kills him with a four or five bullets. Don't, but yeah. So then I was like, right. Okay, well, then uh, what is he? Because that's not. He's not. You've gone too far for yep. that to be any human. But the important thing is, Kristen Slater gets away, and he still has his little rock. He's mm. got a rock with him. Uh, it's a rock the whole time. Yeah, it's clearly a rock. He uses it to hit him with at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. He puts it back in his coat gets away, carnage everywhere, mm. um, and he walks through the back streets of Chinatown going, oh, phew, I fought off that yeah. evil beast. I wonder what he was. And at that point, I realised that the whole thing, uh, if it's not an action sequence, the whole thing's shot on, like, TV cameras. Like, yeah. I just, like, a lot of this film is... and I, but, but then you also made a good point here. The point I was making is that if you look at like Matrix ninety nine as a good example, actually, while we're on yeah. this, it's shot on you know proper, uh, like celluloid, proper celluloid, proper. Yeah. I can't remember what the millimeter film eight is. Millimeter. Eight millimeter. T- Tarantino, you know, famously only ever uses eight millimeter, and yeah. like it, it gives a real warmth. And also, there's something we have called motion blur, which is really lovely. Yeah. And if you if you shoot right, digi- sixteen, sixteen, is it sixteen millimeter? Yeah. Um, and then when you when you look at like Matrix Revolutions, it's not shot on celluloid; yeah. it's shot digitally. Yeah. And then they put the motion blur in afterwards. Now I think they do it very well, actually. And a lot of critics yeah. at the time said, "Oh no, it's not that." But go back and look at it; it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's a great movie. Um, and and the and the, the cinematography is obviously excellent. Um, and shortly, it, unfortunately, in this film, it's not excellent photography. It's not shot either on celluloid, and it's clearly not shot on on a decent digital ratio either, because it looks like NCIS. Yeah. That's what the aste- yeah. the cinematographic yeah. a- aesthetic of this film is NCIS. Yeah, yeah, completely. If you don't know what NCIS is, that's good. You don't have to. <laughs> don't don't find out about it. You don't need to. 
It's not that important. So uh, yeah, that, that that annoyed me when I realised that because once you see something like that in a movie, you can't then unsee it. Um, but, but as I said to you, despite that, it still looks too good quality to be made in two thousand and five because it is TV quality. But it's like it, it's NCIS being made now, or maybe five or ten yeah. years ago. It, it's not nearly twenty years ago. Like mm. that, it it's too crisp. And I'm like, does that mean this has been like HD rendered? I mean, it, because it why possibly... would you choose that film to go yeah. back and digitally improve Maybe. it? Um, but I, th- but it feel it, it doesn't look like like if you go and see, in fact, X versus Seven is a great example. That was only two years before this film, yeah. And you think about that last week, there, there was a kind of graininess. There was a, you go, oh yeah, this yeah. was made in the late nineties, early noughties. Mm-hmm. Whereas I look at that and I go, that is a TV movie that could have been made in about two thousand fifteen. Yeah. It is. It just has a kind of cheap feel for a for a twenty million quid film, um, but there we are. Um, at this point, we, we, we I don't we know whether there the were boat? interspices, but we've got to go back to the boat. Yeah. I, I don't know whether the, I, I think, think it, it might is. have interspliced a little bit with this. With the fight, I know, I know, I, I I think it's back to the boat here. We go back to the boat, and we've got Doctor Hudgens. Yeah, we do. And um, uh, he has managed to help get out a, a submerged, like a man in a submarine. Yeah. And he's pulled him out of the water, yeah, yeah, his yeah. men have, onto this boat. And he's got some chest in the claws of the robotic submarine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're about to have a look at what's inside. What are you going to say? <laughs> no, nothing. You're looking at me like nothing. you're about to say something silly. No, I wasn't. I okay. wasn't. I was just... I. It, it's not happened yet, but my note, my next note made me laugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they have this chest uh, and cut long story short, they open the chest um, and the guy uh, helping him, you know, open it, the kind of guy who's like the sailor, he almost has a bit of a like, he's meant to be like a southern accent hang, twang, hang but on. he sounds a bit like a pirate in it. He does. Hang on. Don't they, doesn't, isn't Hudgens like, don't open it and that's when they put him in the room? Does that not happen yet? Not yet. Oh. Well, the reason that happens is because the guy's looking at the box and he says, God, this is solid gold. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's when he's Southern. And then he yeah. says, yes, it was made by so- solid gold because the Abkhani were a that's, great civilization yeah. Yeah, who and- believed that gold could keep in all the darkness. He tells so- us all the... And then he says, oh, my God, this box is worth so much alone. Whatever is inside it must be worth even more. And then he says, as as a result, I'm now going to hit you in the stomach with uh, an, the blunt end of an axe. axe yeah. And then they lock him in uh, a cupboard yeah. on the ship. Um, now and They're going to steal it from Hudgens. I now understand why so much of what's in the film, we were like, you've already told us in the prologue. Yeah. Because again, he put it in after. Yeah. Because he went, oh, because his... Re- Yui Bowles' reading of people don't understand this film is, oh, I just need to tell them the same thing again. It's just I'm not told <laughs> yeah. them the same. And it's yeah. like, no, it's because it's confusing as hell. Yeah. It's, That's not going to change that. He's done what it's English not, people it's not do. they've not listened. Which is, when they go on a holiday. Uh, <laughs> where, where instead of... Instead of going, oh, you don't understand because you speak a different language. I'm just going to say it speak again, loud, louder but and louder and slower. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he's done the filmmaking equivalent yeah. of that. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah. So uh, as I have written in my notes, the man in the boat room. Yeah. Um, 
the man. I knew what his character. I that could be, be like a good uh, like BBC Two daytime <sighs> filler, like in between series of Flog It. Yeah, you could put a man in the boat room. Man in the hello, Monty John here, and uh... and I've given up currently <laughs> for the Gardner purposes of this bit. Join the high seas. <laughs> um, and so. <laughs> Join the high seas. Yeah. Now, uh, there's not a lot of grass or flowers around because it's all salt water here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what exactly. else he'd have to say. That's it. But that's the man in the boat room. Uh, starts next week, BBC Two. Keep, it, keep PM. an eye out. Tune in. There's um, the man. He gets locked in the boat room. He gets locked in the boat room. Right. Well, does he? Well, because we need. To we talk. see him get locked in the boat room. We do. Right. We see him go in, get pushed in there, and yep. then they. Close the door from the outside, from the outside, and then they but they bar it shut with, uh, with I thought with the axe that they yeah, pushed him in there. That's with. what I thought. Right. That's what I saw. That's what I thought. So uh, and then we um we we cut away from there, uh, and mm-hmm. we deal with something else. Um, oh, we what we do is we find out about Christopher. Um, uh, Chris, Christopher, Christopher Slater, Christian Slater. God, his by the end of this film, will be like that actor from that thing. Like his career is getting worse, not just in real time, but actually in my yeah. perception of him through this movie. Yeah, he's becoming more forgettable. Um, we saw him on stage, didn't we? I, oh, yeah. I so wanted him to be all right, and he's just fucking awful. Wasn't he, he? he was well. No, he he. He turned up in the second act. He was all yeah, right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, we did say but that. The first, it was Glengarry Glen Ross. He played Ricky Romo, the Pacino part in the yeah. movie, wasn't it? And uh, he just couldn't care less. He was uh, very bored, which is, uh, as we will learn, not the first time he's decided to play that emotion <laughs> in something he's been in. Yeah. Um, and just didn't want to be there. And then he, but because the second act, he's got all the shouty bits. He liked that. Yeah. Actors like shouting, and they don't really like it if they're not shouting so yeah. he got bored yeah very true it's always good when americans shout though because then you can actually hear them on the stage <laughs> oh we're gonna get letters we're gonna get letters i did a whole mailbag episode just of americans do, saying american stop being mean to us yeah i'm so actually yeah that's, that's the second time where i said they didn't know any history before 400 years ago really sorry guys we've got quite like america we've got a lot of american listeners as well um so really sorry sorry, guys we we love you so we learn about christian christopher slater and his best friend um who i think i is he called tom oh no i've just misread the word town i I don't know what his name is (laughs) he's called town it's uh, called Town. He's called Town. He's got a best friend from school. He's known him from yeah. school. Um, and he has been having uh, dreams, nightmares, and he's left a message on Christian Slater's answer yeah. phone saying, oh, uh, I'm getting this um, horrible dreams, nightmares. I need to know if it's just me or is you? Is yeah. it you? Yeah. Or is it, you know, is it just me? And he doesn't answer the answer phone. What he does is he takes out his little... Um, the asset, the artifact, artifact, the artifact, and it's like a little gold, like Egyptian ring with loads of Egyptian hieroglyphs mm-hmm. on it. And I was like, well, it can't be Egyptian because the whole point of this, as we've learned from the prologue and the exposition from yeah. Hudgens and the boat scene, and we can see it, they're all like Egyptian hieroglyph no, riffs on that. No, it's Akhenaten. And then he t- is Abkhanian, yeah, Abkhanian, Abkhanian. Whatever. And he takes it yeah. and then puts it on a little scanner. 
Mm. And he uses a little program to read the scanner. And do you know what it was called? It was called Anubis Glyph. Yeah. So it's definitely a joke. It's got to be. If the software you're using in yeah. this fictional yeah. world is is a hierog- Egyptian hieroglyph reading yeah. machine, then it, that's and what it is. And the artifact you have is clearly from ancient Egypt. But it's from a it's different from... continent. Yeah. I mean, I, I hey, I don't know. 10,000 years ago, were South America and Africa joined? Uh, was this no? That would have been post. Ten thousand no. was post no. Pangaea. So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It would have been. Yeah. So okay. Well, I've, I've even tried to unstick myself. Yeah. I would have failed. Yeah. Um. Do you know about Dogland? No. Dogland is a bit of land that connected, uh, uh, the Netherlands and like East Anglia, and there was a whole um. bit of land that connected Britain and Britain and the Netherlands. Uh, and it sank. Wow, so, and, and there's still a whole landmass apparently under the under the um, North Sea. So Atlantis is real. Yeah, but it's going to be a mixture of yeah. East Anglian and Dog, Dutch. Dogger, Doggerland, Doggerland. What's in East Anglia? Um, Alan Partridge. Yeah, wind farms uh, and uh, clogs. Smith at the lying at the bottom. Yeah, Delia Smith. Yeah, she's down there. Yeah, um, minor football league teams mm-hmm. all lying now at the bottom. Of the ocean, um, I did know about the fact that the France and England were connected, and yeah. most people in England just walked across from France <laughs> yeah. and set up in our yeah. little towns yeah. here, yeah. Um, made a country. Um, so anyway, at a slight tangent, we 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 were at the point where yeah, he's scanning it and he can't work it out, and yeah. um, he obviously is going to go find out what the issue is. But first, he's got to. Uh, well, then we cut back to the boat. Yeah. And we've got a man in the boat room. The man in the boat room. And this is Hudgens. And he's now in the corner of the boat room. And he's kind of cowering. Sorry, it's confusing. It, when I say that, I'm not I'm not talking about the Monty Don TV No, series. you're not talking about that. No. I, it's different. No. Different thing. That was a um, totally different thing. He's now cowering in the corner of the boat room. Whilst the, presumably, we haven't really seen it. The boat people yeah. <laughs> open, yeah. quiet boat people open up yeah. the golden chest yeah. and release the darkness, presumably like yeah. a Pandora's box. Yes. Um, and and there's been some noise. We haven't seen it. And he decides to go and have a look because he's shouted to them before. Yeah. Don't open it. Whatever yeah. you don't open it. And this is this is intercut. Yeah. With all of these people who we presume are the sleepers. Yeah, being woken up, they're waking up um, out of their sleep, and 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 this is important because this is something that I'm going to come back to uh, when we try and make it better. Because actually, this I quite I quite liked, I yeah. quite like I quite like sort of sleeper agent stuff in yeah. general. There's something interesting about not being in kind of control of your mind or 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 the fact that that's even possible. De- definitely, that you can program people is fascinating. And and at this point also we've learned as a, from a mixture of the prologue and uh, a couple of comments that Christian State is about to say um, that there was uh, an organisation called Seven Thirteen mm-hmm. uh, Bureau Seven Thirteen that was set up by the government in sixty seven when Doctor Hutchins was was doing his you know setting up his gold mine lab and then doing experiments on them twenty mm-hmm. all the way up till nineteen eighties yeah um, and uh, and they were paranormal government research. Uh, agency yeah and so we also know that dr hudgens is part of that um and we also know that christian state is a paranormal 
uh, investigator. Yeah. So we know this is the paranormal is, is existing in this world. But we also have the idea of an agency and sleepers. And we know that Dr. Hodgson... So, we, I, you know, we put two and two together. At this point in the film, we know pretty much that the people waking up out of their sleep are the surviving members of the kidnapped people yes. who were at the lab yeah. in, and stolen from the nun. Like that make that's mm-hmm. but I made that assumption. Yeah. Um yeah. and turned out I was right. So yeah. I think that was all very, very clear. It was all very, very clear, yeah. Yeah. Too too clear. But just in case it wasn't, Christian Slater then does another bit of narration that explains all of that to us again. Yeah. Even though we've guessed it, we then saw it happen. Yeah. And then he then tells us about it. So it's now three three times we've been aware that this is what's happening. So um, aware. So yeah. we get to the man in the boat and he's gonna come out. He's yeah right, and this is the best bit in the whole movie. So Hudgens, Hudgens has been. Let's just review. Hudgens was put in that room mm-hmm. and locked in there, mm-hmm. obviously from the outside. Yeah. So he's in the room with with the axe, the axe that I didn't think he had yeah. because it was used to secure him outside of the room. Yeah. So we cut to him in the room holding the axe. Yeah. Somehow, don't know how he did that. Uh, very distressed that he's trapped. He's trapped oh, in this room. I'm an old oh, man trapped. What am I going to do? Goes up to the door, just sort of flicks uh, kind of with metal a couple bar. of fingers. Of, I mean, metal bar is is giving it too much credit. It's <laughs> yeah. it is no, it is the thickness of a, like a bamboo cane. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even I was actually going to say uh, a rung on a washing. On an error. Oh yeah, I think it's mm. literally that thin. It's it's yeah. a tiny, thin, little rod of metal mm-hmm. <laughs> that is probably more flimsy even than a rung on an error. And, and it's he meant just to sort be of barring it in. And it's and he's and he sort of flick just flicks it up, and that's it. And then the doors open. Questions. And so questions galore here. One, if he was able to do that, why didn't he do that the whole time? Yeah. And two, and more importantly. In the in the world of, of physics and how reality works in the world in the world yeah how how was that how how is that the way that he was trapped inside so there's so, no there's no answer so we saw him get barred in from the outside yeah. which makes sense yeah and then we saw him barred from the inside yeah it's and very... then get out very easily how did he who barred him in he the inside inside yeah because there's no other way in and out of that room. How was he barred from the inside? And with and a tiny little he, so he did it himself. Threadbare piece of metal. It <laughs> Yeah, he did it Why? Which So maybe there's a deleted scene where he's like, Oh, I could get out now because they haven't barred me very securely from the outside. I'll reach through the gap that doesn't exist and then get the axe and oh there's another axe in here. I've got another axe. Oh wait, they're letting the darkness out. I'm now going to bar myself in so that I'm protected from the darkness. I know how it was done. How? I've just worked it out. Go on. It's obvious. Uh, Alan Rokesmith was in there, <laughs> and he sake. and he bricked <laughs> himself up behind yeah, the wall. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it was done. Um. If you're listening to this and you don't get that reference, you need to up your game. We, we he gets out. He discovers that the box is open. 
he uh, is very worried. Very worried. Um, and presumably makes his way back to the mainland. Yeah, is this when he calls Tara Reed? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we meet we meet Tara. Tara Reed. Reed is in a museum research lab, and she's getting called, and and uh, he's uh, he's shouting at her, and she's deliver receiving a, a delivery from him to him, and she opens it up and starts doing testing, and then we get some more exposition from a very enthusiastic security guard named Rob. Yeah. Uh, you for those of you who don't know you, uh, remember Tara Reed? Uh, if uh. You were a heterosexual male uh, at the age of about 13, 14 in the early noughties. Or um, a non-heterosexual anyone else, uh, a woman as well. True. Yeah. Or yeah. or alive and with a pulse, really. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, Tara mm. Reid, bit of a pin-up. Very much a pin-up. American Pie. American Pie. Uh, also, like, the type of person you'd find in, like, a, a... I keep saying Maxim, but I think that's even too old for me. Wouldn't no, it be, like, no, nuts no, Maxim. Or... Maxim. No, yeah, yeah. Zoo, no, no, Zoo no. Magazine? No, because Zoo and, Zoo and Nuts was were British, weren't they? So yeah. I think Maxim. Yeah, right. FHM. FHM, yeah, probably. FHM, yeah. I think. That kind of thing. Um, always a little bit too tanned. Just, yeah. just tanned enough to yeah. let you know that it wasn't natural. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, very beautiful... Um, and you know, Tari, you know, she can walk and talk at the same time. She ish. She can. She can. Well, she can walk, and she. Well, she can walk. Yeah. Got she's not. A, she's not a great actress. She's not a great actress. That's not what she's there for. We all know why that that casting was there, and she probably knows as well. But I think she's given it a good go. Like she's not. You know, she's doing a lot more work than Buddy Christian Slater is, and. He's meant to be an actual actor. True. Um, I think she holds her own up against the other actors in the film. Yeah, definitely. Very well. Oh, oh God, yeah. Um, she, she's no worse than anyone else in this film. So it would be kind of easy to just shit on Tara Reid for being like a eye candy blonde. But actually, I think in comparison to everything else that's going on, she deserves credit where it's due. Oh, absolutely. Um, but she's, yeah, this very beautiful, non-geeky, uh, kind of sexy museum doctor. Curator's assistant. Curator's assistant. But like a scientist. Um, Christian Slater comes um, and uh, meets with her mm-hmm. um, and she immediately punches him in the face. Right. It's a good moment, that. Right. It's weird because it, like, it, I get what they're going for, which would normally be a slap. And, and, and there is a difference because I think a slap is it stings, mm-hmm. but it's not ultimately going to do any real damage. And it's and it is you know kind of cinematic language for like I'm mad at you, mm. but I but I have strong feelings. It's it's a trope, you yeah. know. It's a cliched scene that we've all seen about you know uh, uh, annoyed or or jilted lover slaps other lover mm. b- because they're mad at them, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's that scene. But they've just gone for Tari, absolutely smashing her fist into the side of Christian Slater's face, which is so much worse that you, you knocked him out. Like, it's brutal. so violent and brutal. Closed oh fist. God. Absolutely full on knocked. So she's got a great right hook. Um, and he eventually, he kind of like stands up from yeah. it. Um, and then acts like it was a slap and yeah. it didn't hurt that much. I was like, well, it knocked you off balance out of shot of the, out of the camera, you're out of frame. And then she says, 
how dare you? I thought you were dead. Why didn't you get in touch? And you realise that they've got history. Um, you never know what that history is. Doesn't really matter. It's just no. a, enough to set up the it, fact that yeah, they're probably right. going to have sex at some point in you're the film. Right. It really doesn't matter, does it? No, it just, it just, it's just a yeah, a bit of a cinematic trope of saying these yeah. two are going to get together. Now, um, yeah. Now, we cannot go any further without talking about the absolute best actor and character in this whole film. Was this a security guard, Rob? Yes. Yeah. Rob the security guard steals it, walks away with the whole film. He's absolutely... Walks away with the whole film with one line. Yeah. And he he has a lot to get in. It's a lot of really important exposition. He cares. He's the only one that cares. He does. He genuinely genuinely wants to do the best job in this and no one else does. Hey, director, uh, he mentored us at drama school and we, you know, still work with him, uh, says uh, the last uh, word is a present to the next person. And Rob's words are presents to, to his, us all. To us all. To us, to all. us all. He's a present. He's a Santa Claus he of is dialogue. In fact, I did toy. I'm mean, spoiler here. This isn't what I went with, but I did toy at one point with <laughs> making my make it about him. It's just yeah. about Rob. Yeah, yeah. it's just a film about Rob, the security guard. I don't care about any of these other people. Yeah. Um, now, also, if you've seen this film, you realize how ridiculous this is because it's one. He's an extra. It's one line. He's a he's a featured artist, featured supporting Sorry, artist. Yes, you're absolutely He's got a dialogue, so yeah. bringing in the money as well for that, that'll be a, oh, a big, yeah. big bump. Yeah, um, more than just a basic, you know, BSF. Absolutely. Uh, so, And then he gives us a lot of exposition, which, thank God he does, because it was only at the beginning of the movie that we got that information. Because, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. UA Ball's not giving us any more information that wasn't already in the film. Yeah. He tells us that the Abkhanis existed 10,000 years ago and they were a super advanced race of people and they end up coming up with loads of more things and then they were wiped out by the, some dark force mm-hmm. uh, and nobody really knows about them. But Dr. Hudgens is doing loads of work on them and yeah. uh, Tara Reid's going to help him. And that. And I don't actually think he stops talking. They just kind of turn his mic down yeah. and then pan, pan over to the other side of the set. It's funny you should say that because I think my favourite... Uh, note of all my notes of this film. Yeah. Is, uh, and I can't, it might have been this scene, I think it was one a bit later, but I've just written, there are a lot of scenes that sort of give up on themselves partway through. Yeah. That's <laughs> one of them. But a lot, where you, it just feels like the scene itself is going, ah, uh, you get the point. Yeah. <laughs> and we just yeah. on, I'm going, well, no, sorry. Nothing's resolved, nothing resolved, nothing finished. You just got, we haven't yeah. really learned anything. No, no. Yeah. Um, Oh, and no, this is also when I wrote Christian Slater board. Oh, because yeah. Because this is the bit where she's, yeah, she's giving him exposition. And he literally goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. the point of, she she actually goes, what's, what's his name? Eric? No. Uh, oh, his Edward. name's Edward. Edward Carnby. She, she, she goes, Edward. And he's like, <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay, so you're, you're acknowledging that you're playing board, but what's that? You're derailing. The plot, because if you're not interested, then we're not interested, because you're the protagonist. We're following you, and also you're meant to care about all this stuff. Yeah, it's your, it's your, quote, it's not her problem. Your it's whole yours. life, and she's yeah. helping you. Yeah, yeah, and now you're bored of that. Dreadful. And I, it was, it was so explicit that I went, oh, that's interesting. He's been distracted by something on her desk. <laughs> That'll come. No, there wasn't. No, it was was legitimately the actor Christian Slater was bored in the scene. Yeah. And Tara Reid, actually credit to her, I think, 
played on that yeah. and ad-libbed that, Edward. Yeah, I think she did. Because what else was, like, because he was definitely not meant to be bored. No, I think he was just thinking about Tara Reid. Yeah. Um, weren't we all? Weren't we all? So, what happens, we're going to speed up a little bit now, um, because what happens is they find out some information they that we, again, we we all know all this, so we, we, we're not learning anything. <laughs> Because uh, we know we've known everything before seen, this. I've just seen another note, and I cannot for the life of me remember what this was in reference to. But it just says, "Too short and too aimless." Oh, that was oh, you said no, to I'm me. Gonna wasn't it? To the, I'm going to get to that. That's what you said that's, to me. That's and an it was so funny. Coming I wrote it down. Okay. Good. Yeah. So, so uh, we we at this point we remember um, his friend that was waking up one of the John. sleepers. He's called, yeah, it wasn't called Tam, he's called John. Yeah, um, I, I know this because no, I've written down yeah. about a line. Yeah. yeah, so he goes, he gets a phone call yeah. um, saying, oh, uh, Edward, John's left me. I, he, in the middle of the night, he isn't there anymore. Again, we saw all this in the flashback, so we we're, yeah. we're learning nothing. Yeah. And he says, oh, I'll, I'll be right there. And he heads over to uh, see what's happened. Yeah. Um, and he gets there and she says, yeah, he says the same thing again. He's gone missing. And he goes, oh, okay. And she says, come on, are you sure he like mm. didn't tell you he was going to leave me? And Christian said, he turned around and goes, don't worry, I'll get to the bottom of this. And then walks away. I'm like, we well, could have said that on the phone. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, you've, he also, he holds a hand for a very long time. I, he's, I've, he's got ulterior motives. With I think you're absolutely right because I did right at this point. Slater hits on John's wife. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. Like yeah. he, there was I, a weird en- energy mm. that he was giving her. That yeah. I was like, this isn't okay. It's like, okay, so you won't listen to Tara Reid when yeah. she's being a musician, museum doctor. Yeah. But you will listen to this day player who's <laughs> not your, who's meant to be your best friend's wife. Fine. Um, then I've got uh, essentially Hudgens is back. They're yeah. in the museum, and there's this big old shootout where we meet the monster for the yeah. first time. Yeah. And this is where I think we need to talk a little bit about what this monster is and some of the problems with it. Yeah. So, at night, there are the... the we've talked about the darkness. Mm. What is the darkness, apart from not, hugely underrated band? I was going to say, yeah, not uh, just in Hawkins. Yeah. Um, permission to land my ears Great. anytime you like. Um, and the darkness is is kind of you know, ominous, and we don't know what it is, but then they show us what it is, which is a translucent cross between, like, if James Cameron in the 80s directed Predator, what, well, he did, didn't he? But not that one. Like, it's that monster that I've seen before. I suppose it so, is actually drawing a little bit on artistic interpretations of Lovecraftian well, figures. Well, interesting you should say that because uh, subsequent iterations of the video game uh, are, it was Lovecraft and then a lot of them were um, paying homage to the, the designs and artwork of H.R. Geiger, who was obviously the guy responsible for the aliens. So that's designs. the guy I'm thinking of, yeah. is that kind yeah, of I think vibe. That, I think there is a... Uh, sorry if I got I all my, my things a, mixed up there, but there's a I general aspect. that's aesthetic. a deliberate nod to, to, to a kind of Geiger-esque. Okay. Sorry, Geiger. Not Geiger. Geiger. You mean another Jonathan Geiger. Geiger reference? <laughs> yeah, I don't mean Geiger, yeah. uh, old man on the stairs. Uh, every uh, time you make a Jonathan Greek uh, reference, if you write in and tell us, we'll give you a pound. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it keeps it interesting. Yeah. 
It does pound of flesh. The p- yeah, a flower flesh. That's well, not, why are you upping we'll steaks? See. We'll see. It's a pound of flesh. Yeah, it's a big old steak. So yeah, it, it it's 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 just not very good. It's just not very good CGI. Yeah. Uh, but like you say, in two thousand and five. 20 million probably doesn't go that far that far for this technology that's still relatively new i mean talked about um uh the uh map uh films yeah. uh the, the scorpion king and the yeah. map uh it's it's pretty bad at the end where he turns into sorry no no it's end of mummy returns rather because it's after that was the sort of uh, origin story of him but when he's half man half scorpion at the end of the mummy returns the rock it is absolutely dreadful you go back and watch that now it is it is <laughs> awful um but that was new technology back then you know that was around, around the same time as this yeah um, but i feel learned... like you know godzilla was better true but then was, but then was... yeah you're talking hundreds of mi- it's like jurassic park but, you're talking but, about but tens you know, and tens, I, tens of millions. I don't know how you feel about this i think that on the whole, um, like actual real puppetry animatronics um, are are better than yeah. CGI because they're because I think even now in twenty twenty two, I think you struggle with weight, and I think that yeah. is the big problem that I have when I when I see CGI laden films and I go on. It's feel like I'm watching a video game because I'm aware it's CGI because it's not weighty and i think if you if you think about uh, jurassic park if you think about the 97 godzilla if you, you know films that films that used physical uh you know animatronics models 3d things that were really there and i know they they combined that with with digital effects and things like that and i think that's why it, why it works you kind of got the best of both worlds there um, yeah but you need something i think to give it that to give it that weight you know i mean i almost would would uh I, I i believe more the old um 60s and 70s ray harryhausen uh jason and the argonauts like the the claymation kind of stop frame animation well, I was gonna say stuff stop motion more is, than, is, is yeah more than some it. some bad cgi because it because again it's if something's really there it can have a weight to it and a presence to it that i don't think even now you can you can replicate fully and i think also what's key here is that in order for something to be threatening, especially with horror or fantasy, it needs to not only have weight mm. so that you can see that it has a gravitational relation to the other things in the scene you're seeing, but it also has to, has to have, going back to this previous point, it has to have motion blur, mm. Mm. which means that when it moves, we as an audience can't see everything move. It needs to almost blur as it would in front of our eyes, mm. right? If you imagine The Incredibles by Pixar, imagine them running really fast, but they're never being a blur, the illusion of speed would be broken. Yeah. You have to build that in. And I think what they've really struggled with on this film, in, not just in the standard exterior shots of Christian State walking down a Chinatown and nondescript part of America, but also in the CGI, they've, they've not understood the weight of motion blur and how uh, things need to hold gravity in order to have any kind of power or status or relevance. And especially when you're trying to invoke fear, that, yeah. is, that is really, really key. And it's, yeah. and it's why we laugh uh, at things that aren't scary. It's because we go, well, I've got no idea of how that would, it would yeah. be like to be in the presence of that. And I think, yeah, that is something that Spielberg can make you feel even when there isn't a threat, to, or it isn't yeah. a monster, 
to be scared at. He can make you feel that tension. And unfortunately, Yue Bol can't, not as a cinematographer, as an artist, but also just not as a storyteller. And so we've got no tension here, no real build-up. We've got this kind of quite quite artistic, you know, probably looks great in sketches, mm. but dreadful CGI monster who is kind of translucent and kind of dumb, like mm. m- moves a little bit like a kind of bull in a china shop, you know, kind of... Yeah going in and out oh not quite being able to but it's also unkillable and ruthless and so ruthless that he kills off the film's hero in this scene mm. rob he does r.i.p rob yeah security very, guard very moving he's there to try and look after old tara reed goes off bravely with his searchlight and in his um nevada sheriff's outfit i don't yeah. know why <laughs> that's a security <laughs> costume he has a sheriff's yeah. badge yeah and a tan he's specifically the i'm thinking of john goodman and that was yeah. studio 60 like yeah. why it's it's also Pahrump. very sad for for tara reed because he's her personal security guard yeah yeah because christian slater the only reason we know he's called rob is because christian slater references him yeah just as rob and we're like okay so there's a pre-existing relationship here he's between been with this for random years. security guard yeah Enough time for yeah. Christian Slater to go away and Tari to think he was dead. Yeah. That's how long Rob's been with him. Yeah. Um, so he dies. Uh, they all, this monster comes out. They try and shoot it. They can't kill it. And then uh, the cavalry arrive. And Bureau 713 Paranormal Government Research Agency come down like a SWAT team and just open fire on this monster um, and they do it with a considerable disregard for all the artifacts in this museum, yeah. which is is the agency. Like is they're it, yeah. at the yeah. headquarters yeah, yeah, of the, yeah. the yeah. All, everything they're destroying is the research it's on the research. this beast. On the be- yeah. 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 Um, so I thought they had a bit of disregard for that. Uh, but we do meet Mr. Dorfman. So Stefan Dorf. Yeah. So Stephen Dorf, uh, those you don't know, is like kind of oh, Mr. TV movie, really. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he had been cast to play Edward. And yeah. then at the last minute, Christian Zetter came in and Yuval was like, oh, sorry, we've got to bump you down to this part. Yeah. Because it feels weird that he's the part he is in yeah. this level of film. Like, if this was a Hollywood blockbuster and he was this, I understand. If he was the lead in this level of film, I'd understand. But it feels too low for him to it be does supporting feel... in this film. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's a great oh I can't remember the name of it but there's a great um, uh, Sofia Coppola film that he is in playing uh, a sort of film star that's that's uh, kind of on, on a downward period kind of in his career and he lives in, in the oh the famous hotel in, in uh, it's not the Beverly uh, the Marmont Chateau Marmont oh, right. in there and it's all kind of about the life of this sort of fading fading actor and it was, I think it's elements of his own life are kind of in there and things like that. It's cool. It's really good. Really good film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a good actor, yeah. I think. Um, and yeah, would have done probably a better job than Christian Slater. Sorry, Christian. Um, <laughs> because he's uh, an actor and Christian Slater's a movie star. Yeah. Unless you unless you shoot him really well, it's not really going to work. Obviously, yeah. if you've seen Broken Arrow, you'll know Christian Slater oh, can be brilliant. I love that film. It's one of my favourite films. I, why I, you're the only other person I know who knows that film? Yeah, oh, I love it. Uh, it. It's such a good movie, and he's great in it. It's just it's yeah. perfect vehicle for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I think he was quite quite good as Will Scarlet. You know, yeah, just the kind of short, yeah, dark yeah, yeah, heads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
you know yeah you know, he's, he's very good fun in a film called Churchill the Hollywood Years <laughs> yeah okay. which is uh, yeah very very good I'll check it out yeah. so they have this big gunfight um, and then uh, they are like oh wow the, the um, and we realise also that Hudgens is in on this he we know he's evil already he he has a creature like this yeah. in, in yeah. Uh, inexplicably in a crate mm-hmm. in the agency, in the place that we've just been, yeah. the, in his own private bit of the museum. Yeah. He's back off the boat now. And then he takes a serum, mm-hmm. like a like a massive gut, like a harpoon. Uh, I thought he was going to shoot him. Uh, and then he doesn't. He extracts, he extracts some purple liquid yeah. and then puts that into a comedy size syringe <laughs> and then sticks that into his arm. Syringe is so big they've added blood actually because they're like it would bleed if it's you It's bl- like the exact opposite of the little uh, syringe arm on the bloodstream frog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then he injects the serum from the beast into his arm yeah and then he pretends that he's taking a shot of heroin (laughs) and i'm like oh is this gonna come back into the plot somewhere Mm. is he using the beast's power to stay alive is it making him evil Mm. is it anyway probably going to be explained later isn't it Nah, just leave it. You're never going to get any more of that. So Why would we want to do that? I don't know. I, I, I've i got some questions there that could have been made sense of, but I, they've they, so I they've think, just sacked it all off. So I think it is meant to signify the fact that he that's what he did to the kids, right? He was injecting them with the blood of the the darkness evil creatures to to make them... Well, maybe we we don't know that, no. but we do know something else he specifically did do to the kids, mm. which was implant them all with a spinal, with a, with the spine of those creatures, mm. and make m- fuse that into the existing spines of the children. Yeah, and we learn this because Christian Slater goes back to who I I keep calling Q. He's yeah. like an old kind of. Uh, He's not old, but he's playing him he's kind of senile and charming. 713's pathologist. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. That's his thing, um, and for some reason, also in charge of gadgets. Yeah, um, and he explains to Christian Slater that you can't kill these beasts with uh, bullets. You've got to have special uh, l- fluorescent bullets made up of a compound of chemicals from 43 through to 70, mm-hmm. um, some of which are platinum, gold, and silver, and all the all the metals and stuff yeah. like that uh, and that's what kills them they're also allergic to sunlight so here's a torch remember this christian slater here's a torch that has the right frequency of photons and the light that is going to harm the creature because it's like mm-hmm. a, a daylight simulating torch remember that it's going to come in useful later no no, no, no. never going to use never going to be used never going to be mentioned again uh he then gives him a big metal case full of guns and loads of bullets um and sends him on his way. But before he sends him on his way, he explains to him that there's a, a radiation-ometer, uh, mm. like a Geiger counter, not Geiger from Jurassic <laughs> Creek, and uh, not Geiger, the artist who designed the creatures. <laughs> Some pounds there for you eagle-eared listeners. 
Um, Pipistrilli Ed listeners. Um, there's so many Geigers involved in this film. I never knew there were so many Geigers <laughs> in the world. <laughs> they're not. They're not a full day. The Jonathan Creek Geiger isn't involved in this film. That's just. That's no. Just us. No, but the Geiger counter is. Geiger counter and, and the, the Geiger. Geiger monster. Yeah. Yeah. So two are in the film, and yeah. one of them is just us. Yeah. Um. So, uh, he he explains to Christian Slater the reason why the Geiger counter is going off is because he just like the person who was doing an autopsy on who was the person who tried to assassinate Christian Sater in the first scene yeah uh, they all had these little implants and that obviously this is what Dr. Hudgens was doing to the children in his mad experiments in 1983 uh, in the nunnery orphan yeah so we've got a bit of plot there yeah I just wish that it kind of was interweaved into the rest of the action and some of the other scenes, but it's not. It's just kind of delivered to you in little chunks yeah. and then repeated at you till you hate it and then delivered to you again in little chunks. Yeah. Um, which is a very frustrating way of making a movie. Yeah. It's the opposite way you tell stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what he's done. Uh, and then we gear up uh, for the sleepers yeah. returning to... Yeah, yeah, yeah the museum yeah. and they just imagine a cheap John zombie film yeah yeah uh so yeah we're, we're kind of into the we're into the sort of big fight now aren't we so they well they uh, the zombies attack um he shoots them with the bullets the phosphorescent yeah. bullets with tara reed um uh there are more of them not just one this time and uh, monsters and sleepers and sleepers and one of the sleepers is john yeah and we know this because we've seen him about three times yeah john is the the white the guy's yeah. wife christian said he was gonna sort out yeah. he never went back to her never helped her no, he just no. flirted with her yeah and, then and then left he off. Forgot, yeah yeah um and then he says what does he say when he he gets says in... well after after the fact after the fact yeah yeah he says i just killed john exactly with that delivery he nailed it mm-hmm. first time mm-hmm. one take shopland it... Like no, it, no sadness, not pathos, not regret. A, a little excited. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that delivery was, but it was it was every possible wrong way you could have. Done. Yeah, right. and then uh, we have yeah um, a bit more fighting with other sleeper agents and what I think was like an obscure kind of new metal track. Oh, this is this is short nameless. Yeah, yeah, this. This is dreadful. Yeah. So it was it was it was a new metal very early noughties. Yeah. So again, like in the Matrix, when you had like a really lovely sequence coming up, often yeah, yeah. there'd be like some rock music yeah, or yeah, yeah. something to signify the fact that and, and the characters even put like music yeah. in their ears to help yeah. them focus because they're obviously martial arts, but they were in a simulator yeah. and it's all, you know, I'm gonna I'm not gonna explain the Matrix. Um But you can see why they've done that. And you've got like ding and ding and ding and ding okay, and it's kind of yeah, some yeah, I kind of want to say probably new new metal kind yeah. of vibes, uh, and and I'm like oh, it's gearing up, and then it and it stops. Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. It, yeah. It, it, again, it just gives up and dies. It's, uh, Twenty-seven seconds. Yeah. yeah, I'm like it's too much money. Yeah, but also not enough to warrant the spending of that money. Like what what happened? Yeah just run out of vfx guys for the day and went oh let's leave it that's, that's it yeah. we did what we could yeah like, <laughs> well, i believe they probably shot it in an afternoon yeah whereas a sequence like that should yeah uh, the point where it is in the film and with the scoring and it, it should be it's just it's a week you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. yeah it was dreadful it was dreadful 
Um, we don't know what the motivation of these monsters are. Right. We just know that they're somehow uh, the physical incarnation of what has previously been referred to as the darkness. Again, not the Justin Hawkins band, the the, the, the Lovecraftian darkness that yeah. was introduced, or the, the prologue um, and out of the chest. Um, uh, but we've got this interesting relationship because you've got the Dorf character, mm-hmm. who obviously, those of you who know, Dorf has you know, very kind of bleach, almost blonde hair, of course, quite Germanic mm-hmm. looks. And then you've got Christian Slater with his dark hair and his widow's peak. And and it's odd because Dorf is, is going, I think you're bad, Christian Slater, because you used to be an agent of the yeah. 713 and then you left and I'm now running the 713. Like, you're too young to run this, but fine, fine. And also there are loads of senior people around you, older people who yeah. you seem to be in charge of, but fine. And he's like, I don't know if I can trust you. Um, and throughout this scene... Uh, well, not throughout, but at the end of the scene, uh, Christian Sater saves Dorf's life by shooting one of the monsters, and then Dorf looks at him, and there's like a mark of respect. And I just wrote here, blonde hair and dark hair reach mutual respect. Because <laughs> it felt symbolic. Yeah. But then I also realised it's the wrong way around, isn't it? Because yeah. that means Christian Slater should be the bad guy yeah. and the blonde hair should be the Kevin Costner, the good guy. And I'm like, oh, you, oh, you, you have cast this the wrong way around. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Dorf should be playing the hero. Um, just briefly, we skated over the sex scene. Oh, well, didn't everyone did, didn't we? Well, yeah. Uh, again, it much just to of... the chagrin of but, uh, UA Ball. I, just, I do just want to bring it up for the, yeah. for, for the bizarre choice of underscoring um which we'll probably put at the beginning of this episode so you've probably already heard it but it is the song seven seconds by nina cherry and you certain door uh <laughs> which is which is <laughs> why because that is a song that is uh about the first seven seconds of a newborn baby and how they're not yet uh aware of of wars and famine and bad things happening in the world uh, and it's sort of like the in- the innocence and, and ignorance of of youth and children, and and maybe if we all took a little bit more of that, there could be more pieces. It's 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 absolutely not a sexy song, no, in any way, shape, or form. I was no. just like, sorry, this is the song you're going for for the sex scene. Yeah, um, it's a, a baffling, baffling. And there was no flirtation or build up to the sex scene at all. No. He'd done more flirting with John's wife. Yeah. Who he didn't help, then he killed John. Yeah. So I mean, like, I don't really know why she's into him. At one point, she goes to stroke the I was scars say, there's on a his great back. Bit the next morning, the morning after, and she oh. comes back into bed, and he's sort of lying on his stomach, and you can see his back with all his exposed little scratches and wounds. And yeah, as I said to you at the time, it's trying to be sensual. <laughs> yeah. But because, as you say, because of the way it's edited. That it sort of cuts quite quick. It makes yeah. it look like she's just sort of prodding it. Like it's not, it's not tender. It's yeah. just sort of she just kind of touches him very briefly, and then he's like, "Oh, what?" It cuts before it's... you see her straight, yeah. and then and then he's like, "Oh, oh, oh he wake me up. Yeah. Oh, leave me." <laughs> oh, I was out with the lads last night. Don't wake me up. I need my sleep. <laughs> no, I'm on night shift. Like, <laughs> like that's how he rolls over. I'm like, this is nothing romantic or sexy about yeah. any of this. Yeah. Um, I, 
despite the fact that obviously John Reed and Christian Slater are very beautiful people, it's oh, just not absolutely. it's just not shot very well. It's no. not very sexy. No. No. Um, but it sounds like Uwe Boll was kind of pissed off the whole time because he's quite a uh, objectifying um, guy. Yeah, yeah. There's a story apparently that. Um... Tara Reid had a had a no nudity clause in her in her contract at the time, and apparently he was trying to constantly pressure her to to take her clothes off in this scene, and got very angry when she didn't, and then later remarked that he regretted her being in the film at all, and that he wished he could have had a quote unquote European actress uh, because they're not so uptight about all that stuff. <sighs> I mean, just a not a nice person. Again, not uh, massively surprising, unfortunately. Um, yeah. uh, at all in Hollywood, let alone in 2005. Yeah. But, I mean, also, well done, Tyra Reid. This is not the film you get your kit off for. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely yeah, yeah. not worth it. No. Take the money, go home. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's a very stupid sexy. Um, now, we're gearing up to uh, the massacre now. Yeah. Um, but not before we've had a tracking shot of a car. Uh, Christian Slater in the car. We get a little bit of narration. This is so weird. It 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 well, it is technically a tracking shot, but what it feels well, what it is is it's an establishing shot. It's, yeah. it's the first yeah. shot of a sequence of shots, right? So your establishing shot tends to be your first shot in a shot sequence where it will be essentially layman's terms, very far away, cut to very close, cut to mid. That tends to yeah. be the general formula. Is, is that it's far away shot, establishing shot where we are, close up on whoever the important person is, and then you pan out to reveal where they are and the environment that they're in. Um, yeah. That tends to be what, what, what happens in the film. So an establishing shot would be, you know, we'd, we'd be following the car for a couple of seconds, then it would cut into Christian Slater on the phone in the car. Yeah. But that never happens. It is no. the establishing shot of the car from very far away, for the entirety of this phone conversation he has, which lasts about two and a half minutes. And you can't really hear what's happening on the phone conversation because it's quite low in the mix. Mm-hmm. But also there's this kind of rattle of the traffic on the bridge, which is like 200 yards away. And I'm like, why is the traffic? Of... It's not. It's not the traffic of the bridge you can hear. What can you hear, David? You can hear the rotor blades <laughs> of the helicopter <laughs> that's filming, filming the car itself. Why? Why could you? Why? Why is that happening? Brings up some questions, doesn't it? Because I feel like they, the editor, didn't know how to remove the sound from the film of it, which is nonsense. Which is absolutely nonsense. Or or just thought it sounded quite nice and percussive with the with the bit of underscoring that's in there as well. It's very. They tried to almost bury it in the underscore. I'm like, but you can hear. That's what it is, and it wouldn't make sense for that noise to be there at this point. Yeah, because otherwise, because what you're doing now is you're making the helicopter real, exist in the world of the film, and the person in the the camera a person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That we need to have an opinion or feeling about. That's filming. Why is this helicopter following? Edward Carnby. This shot is is the equivalent. I can't explain. It would be like. It would be like watching uh, Shakespeare in Love mm. and going, yeah, I thought Joseph Fiennes was great, but I really wanted to know more about the dolly they were using. <laughs> Such an interesting presence in all the... You know, like, you shouldn't be more invested in, in, no. in the, the, the equipment than you yeah. are the central character. Yeah. But, um, but you are in this film, because that's where we are. Uh, so, yeah, we get that. Um, and I think I don't really have any notes until the massacre. 
Um, no, I th- yeah, me, me, me neither. I think we, we go into the big fight scene, which is, I thought, eerily similar to the big fight scene at the end of X versus Ever. I yeah. thought it was like the same environment, mm-hmm. the same mm. sort of pacing of it all, and it's just a load of... But this time, there was uh, these weird Geiger dogs um, yeah. running around. Uh, which also, there's another scene where he releases... Um, Hudgens releases all of the little, all of these monsters that he's now got control of, and well, they yeah, all run. What's confusing though is that he he did that. Yeah, that's where they're coming from. Yeah, but you see where they're coming from, and then about ten minutes into this, yeah, big scene, which is just a hundred guys in paintball jackets. Yeah, uh, and and that's not a lie because it. <laughs> look at the IMDb trivia. <laughs> the literal. All the all the army extras are wearing paintball paintball jackets. Yeah. Uh, and they're shooting these, you know, dark wolf monsters mm. who, yeah, who, who because they're coming out of a wood, now have more like a Hound of the Baskervilles kind of feel yeah. about them. Well, you know and then it? you see him release them. So you're going, but you're... But, but this, they're already... Would, so you, you're time jumping now. Yeah. And it also means that the standoff doesn't feel like it's between the... The, the you know the, the bureau seven thirteen yeah. and the bad guy who we know is Doctor Hutchins because he works at the seven thirteen, yeah. and they don't know that. So it feels like it's between the seven thirteen and the the general dark the personification the anim the the, the anamorphization of the darkness. Yeah, which, which I, I just not enough for it's me to care about. To I'm afraid. In, yeah, it's difficult to invest in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is a very there's a scene that goes on far too long of these little monsters running down the hill being oh, released. It, by, it, you know, yeah, the camera pans out from his face until going. he's a dot. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, <laughs> going and going. I was like, move on, move yeah. on. Now. You're shouting at the screen. Um, like this is the scene you stay with. There's about 18 scenes that you stop halfway through. Yeah, and this one you're gonna stick with. Right, fine. Um, now, but it did make me think of the film Dog Soldiers, which I do quite. Uh, it's a very good, um, yeah, very good werewolf. Werewolf, werewolf. I do like that you say werewolf, werewolf though. If you stop saying werewolf, mm. I would be upset. Yeah, good. Because well, I never will. Because it's been it's the only 30, time I'd ever hear it. Nearly thirty-five years. Thirty-five years. So, um, so yeah, massive. Massacre. massacre. We don't really care. Some stuff about massacre, generator breaking um, and starting again. And... Is 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 now a good time to talk about the woman's head? Uh, yeah. And then we should get on to the interesting bit, which yeah. is the crystal maze. Yeah. So there's, so there's one two, character. There's two, there's two characters that turn up that we've never seen before. No. But have a real connection with yeah. each other and feel like they're the two main characters of the film and we have never, ever seen them before. I mean, I don't think they're named characters, but no, I, I think at one point he does, like, slip in uh, G's? G- mm. I think he calls, like, G's! Yeah. Like, or was he just saying, oh, G's? Jenny? So, G- yeah. Jenny? Jenny? Jason. Jason, Jason, it was it was Jason. <laughs> it was Jason. It was Jason. That was a popular name. Yeah, it was fine. Um, for four adults, it was a popular <laughs> name in 1983. Um, and she, yeah, Jason, top top American name for a girl in 1983. Yeah, number one name, Jason. Uh, and she is like, oh, God, Captain, everyone's dead. And he's like, oh, oh um, all right, you get some high ground, <laughs> and I'll stay here. The thing is, you can see him thinking 
about like how how to play and it. then he decides yeah. what he's gonna do is just not act. yeah you just get you can see it he's get actually i'm just gonna say that i'm just gonna get on with it yeah because UA Paul's still still annoyed at Tara Reid, so I'm just yeah. going to crack on. Yeah. Uh, she goes up to high ground, and he, I'm like, oh, he's going to sacrifice himself for the monster. Mm. No, he kills the last monster. Yeah. All is quiet. He follows goes her up the stairs. Find her, yeah. Says, geez, where are you? She obviously that's her name. Uh, and then he turns a corner, and what do we find? So her head's been eaten open um <laughs> but yeah it's not been it's been bit bitten been sliced scratched open spliced her head split open her in head two. is split in two so um, half of her face is intact yeah and the other half of her face is further away from that half of the face <laughs> it should be also intact but bleeding from the top and yeah. kind of gone at the top of that side of the head yeah and like it is quite a quite gruesome i think it's a pretty cool piece of yeah. vfx like yeah. i'd be i think if you're i think that that must have taken real time yeah and it's real replica of her face but also at the same it's 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 the work of a very specific like a axe coming down on the top of someone's head and yeah. missing the rest of it yeah which yeah, is yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. it has no it you, you look at that and go oh, i wonder what happened you don't yeah even though you know who they're fighting you've yeah, seen yeah, thousands of beasts coming it bears through. no relation to what they're capable of doing what they're yeah. doing yeah it's not it's very clean but i did think god they must have spent a lot of time and budget yeah. on that yeah and again like yeah well it was very clear they did because they keep cutting back to it because they get two they more times they yeah, share yeah. it for no reason and I did, you were like at one point you were like oh yeah better show it again we, we didn't spend all this money not to show it yeah 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 I think they realised cut, cut back to the head they didn't realise that they were like well that's a bit over now yeah. and we don't even know who these people are <laughs> and don't really care about them uh, but but we've got to show the head again so let's um, do it yeah so anyway right then are we at the gate do they go to the gate now yeah so while this battle's been going on our heroes, Christian Slater, uh, Dorf, and um... Tara Reed. Yeah, what's her name? No one cares. Yes. Tara Reed. No, she. They go down with the help of a couple of other guys um, who are both um, uh, people of color, mm-hmm. and as a result, die within about yeah. six seconds because yeah. it's yeah. two thousand and five. Yeah. Uh, and that's how we that do films. Yep. Uh, but um, they, they, yeah, one of them gets eaten by a sand snake. Um, <laughs> one of <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. I know, I know, but it's that's. I mean, the sand snake is not is is one of these darkness alien things part of it. it's not it's not like a coincidence that there's a sand snake there oh no like oh what are the chances i was running tragedy. away from the darkness and uh, not justin hawkins uh <laughs> but the but the anamorphized uh yeah. darkness. Oh, there's a bloody sand snake here yeah um nightmare no it was of the same family yeah. it was by the same it was by geiger it was yeah it was, uh, not the jonathan creek not geiger the jonathan creek. Oh, uh, or yeah. the radiation me- reader yeah no uh, this time it's the alien guy it's the, the guy who did the aliens. Yeah, so it's a similar family, but mm. like a small legless snake yeah. version of it who only comes out of the sand to bite. Oh, we didn't mention when... Um, when uh... <laughs> Your face right? when He didn't mention that. Oh, no, God. not another what? bit of the film. Oh. When Hudgens <laughs> throws the little small worm into the mouth of... Um, 
the the doctor. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah, there was another scene where, for no reason, uh, Hudgens turns up at the the pathologist's house, mm. kills his wife, who's yeah. lovingly making dinner, and then strangles very unconvincingly. Oh, it's a weird <laughs> strangulation. It's horrible. It's quite it's sexy. Really... <laughs> I mean, you're all judging me saying that because this is two old men, one killing another. Yeah. But you'll you watch it. There's something. It's like it's quite nice to see that kind of represented. You don't often see two older men engaging in any sexual activity, but also that it's a bit kinky. Yes, yeah, it's, it's up there with Totoro and Walken in Severance. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's exactly like that. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, he, and then he throws a baby darkness creature. In, yes. Into his mouth, yeah. which is we've never, which is, hasn't been done before yeah. in the yeah. film. It's a, new, it's a new thing, and, um, and it makes him get a milky eye. It makes him get a milky eye. Yeah. He does. He gets milky eye. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> I know. Get a worm in your throat. You get a milky eye. That's how you die in alone in the dark. Um, so... Yeah, but he doesn't die. He becomes he a sleeper. He, yeah, he becomes a sleeper. Um, and he turns up later on and um, kill, kills one of the people in the shootout yeah. uh, who was going to fix the generator. Mm. Uh, and then he doesn't. There's a whole three-act play about the bloody generator. Yeah. And actually, he's quite a good actor. He's like playing really like pissed off. Like, oh, God, fix generator this bloody uh, generator. Make you feel better. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. And then they play... Uh, mm-hmm. They play... That. Yeah. But the Holloways. Holloways? Yeah. Holloways. Holloways. Uh, I could be a generator, in a generator, generate the music to make you feel better. That's the one. And a record player. Yeah. It's not important, is it? It's more important than this film. <laughs> That's a good uh, point. So they find the gate. Uh, they So they're running away from the snakes and they're going through what now is a crystal maze set. It is. It is Richard it O'Brien, is the, old school Egypt, crystal maze. The ancient Egypt section of crystal and i really like it i like little clues on the walls i'm yeah. like oh what's the clue gonna mean <laughs> and they have to work it out and we did quite a lot we did a little role play there mm. like uh like what would you do if you're in that oh no like which one my left or your left yeah. no get get out now we've got 20 seconds if you take if you like a like alien worm sand snake yeah you I'm take t- that. which one which one if do you, you mean gary your left, by your left foot you know oh, yeah right that's not get my that. left foot is, oh, get it is. That. oh it is my left turn left. it round put it in the hole on the wall i think that's what? where it fits in how is it gonna fit 20 seconds it's got 20 seconds come back out you gotta come back out oh i'm sorry i'm sorry guys i'm sorry yeah. I'm sorry. I thought I was getting there. Anyway, so that's that's what happens. In that's scene. what essentially happens. They all play, and then uh, they get to the gate, yeah. and then uh, the uh, gate maze, has a maze lock. master comes out, and <laughs> no, to yeah. everyone's surprise, it's Ed Tudor Pole. You were it's... thinking it would be Richard O'Brien. It no. wasn't. It was yeah. Ed Tudor Pole. It was the other one. Yeah. Uh, and then they all dance to um, Swords of a Thousand Men by Ten Pole Tudor, Ed Tudor Pole's band, and then they uh, all dance off off camera yeah, that's the end that's, that's the end of the film true. I wish I wish it was the end of the film it isn't they get to the gate and there's a key and they're like oh how do we unlock the key and then they're like oh wait Tara Reed and Christian Sater we've both got those parts what you know remember the artifact that I found at the beginning and the bit that you already had which was unexplained and not important well we put them together oh it makes the key we'll maybe together. we can unlock it shall we unlock it and they were like well Dorf's like well it's our only way out so either that we're gonna die 
Yeah. Uh, and then Tara reads like, but also some things are better left unopened, yeah, locked away. You... Which whose side are you on? Yeah, exactly. Whose side are you on? But it's a line that we're going to use later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Christian Sader says, oh, I don't know. I feel like I've been searching for these answers for all my whole life. I need to know what's beyond the yeah. door. And I'm like, but you what? No, you were confused because nineteen of your friends got. Yeah, got kidnapped. Yeah, and you and you survived, and they. But but also you all got implanted with sleeper mm. things, and the only reason your sleeper thing doesn't work is because you got electrocuted as a child, which was also a line that happened so quickly. Yeah, obviously made up on the spot in order to explain that plot hole away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't. It, he didn't know he had any of these questions up until this point. But anyway, so he's thinking about it, and he's about to open it. And then he stopped, stopped opening it. Mm. Who by? Not Edward Tudorpole, not no. Richard O'Brien. Doctor Hudgens. Doctor Vanessa Hudgens. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> and he he uh, he shoots uh, one of the guards, yep. one of the remaining guards, also an actor of colour, of course. Yeah. Um, and, and the ceiling. He shoots the ceiling a lot. He shoots the ceiling a lot. Too. I think he gets distracted by how much he's shooting the ceiling yeah. actually. I was like in, you could have probably shot them in the time you've been shooting the ceiling yeah I don't know why you didn't yeah. he was like put your guns down put your guns down I'm like well there were you. there are still three of you yeah. all out who have guns and you've just got one gun and you're an old frail man who keeps shooting the ceiling I don't know yeah. why they didn't shoot him no, I, that's a good point yeah. he's just sitting around having a bloody yeah. mother's meeting yeah but um, he says no no G- you give me that key I'm like, well, they stopped. He stopped them opening the gate, mm. and he said, "Give me that key. I want to open the ga- gate." And I'm like, "Oh, well, that's what they were going to do." <laughs> anyway. Let them do. Let why them you, do why it. Why did you let them do it? Why did yeah. you have to reveal your presence at all? To, because he's a uh, show off. He's uh, he wants to be the one to do it all. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe he does. Um, he's got the blood in him, hasn't he? The heroin juice yeah. from the oh, oh that's, so yeah. unimportant. I don't know why that. Mum said I could do it. Mum said I could open it. Yeah, I think that. And he's like, anyway, you couldn't have opened it because I've got the final piece. Mm. Okay. They all got them from um, McDonald's Happy Meals, didn't they? They, they look like, like they're from McDonald's mm. Happy Meals, yeah. Um, on an Egypt theme week. Yep. Also, America Egypt, has its USA. thousand year old history yeah. of people living in America. Like Native Americans. Yeah. The First Nation. Nah. No? I'm just going to erase that and then steal another yeah. culture and then fictionalise <laughs> yeah. it and then pl- plant it in within a fantasy world that mm. is so full of holes. Uh, he opens the gate, doesn't he? And mm. what happens? Thousands and thousands of more dark creatures that we've seen before yeah. crawl out from what looks like that bit in Lord of the Rings and the Two Towers when mm. you're in the orc underworld for ages yeah. Yeah. and all the trees are kind of crawling it's also, it's also uh, upside very, down and... it's very much like the upside down in Stranger Things as well actually. Uh, oh right very okay much, very much that's, like interesting. That. Um, that's interesting so uh, yeah they and that's all where all the darkness lives in the hell yeah and then you think like oh there's going to be some kind of standoff between Dr. Hudgens the yeah. evil guy you know and, and Christian Slater and Dorf and Tara Reed, and I'm thinking like it's going to be a moment of what I actually thought was going to happen is when if you'd have like you mentioned Die Hard at one point mm. about like Bruce Willis kind of character 
who's kind of a bit rough and ready, but you know what's going to happen. I actually thought Doctor Hutchins was going to be a bit of a um uh, of a, an Alan Rickman kind of figure, mm. uh, Hans Gruber, yeah, where he's like crazy that he needs to be near to the danger and then eventually mm. they use that to kind of like push yeah. him over the edge because he's standing by the edge of the of the hatch hutch yeah. not hutch hutch the hutch brilliant uh, but no, uh, he's like midway through a sentence and um, Dorf just shoots him in the head yeah, and he dies. It, I'm like, it, oh, done. So, oh okay. done. I don't know why you've been following money. this villain. Time's I don't money. know why. I don't know why he's there. We need to wrap at six. I've got to go to my daughter's <laughs> birthday party. <laughs> so, um, so that's it. Done. So right, abrupt. next. Um, <laughs> so no, that's so, done. Uh, and I'm like, well, you can just close the hatch now and stop yeah. them all coming down, can't you? Yeah, but 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 for some reason they don't. He he's like, well, I I think we shouldn't just close the hatch. We should blow them up. Mm. And I've got luckily, Dorf's got a bag of bombs with him. Yeah, but the bag of bombs are some, for some reason now over in the, on the other side of the gate. So they put the bomb on the other side of the gate. Right, close the hatch yeah. and make their way out the crystal maze yeah. to the surface. They get pretty close to the surface, mm-hmm. and Dorf starts to press his button. That's to right, yeah. trigger the bombs but he's too far away from the bomb now mm. because they're in a gold mine right yeah. the signal isn't carrying between or well, the abandoned gold mine albeit but you know st- st- won't carry so he says i'm going to run back and get closer mm. to the bomb so i can set it off and they're like okay but we don't have much time they're, they're going to break through that barrier at some point and he's like i'll go and christian say to entire reed climb to the top of the tunnel and doth runs back into the line of danger so yeah again the the heroic self-sacrifice comes from the third most important character in the yeah. scene let alone the film well this is it's a to be clear i actually i wasn't talking about diehard i was talking about bruce willis in armageddon because i said he oh was sorry yeah do the bruce willis moment of when ben affleck's yeah. gonna be the hero oh, and then bruce willis go pushes him and runs yeah. out and sacrifices himself um and i thought we're going to get this moment of Stephen Dorff making that yeah, sacrifice. Yeah, makes sense. But it doesn't play. He doesn't play that. It plays like he genuinely thinks he can outrun the. He's not playing. I'm sacrificing myself. No. I'm going to my death. He's going. You're I'm right. going to go a bit closer. Press it, and then I'll run away, and I'll be fine as well. Yeah. And then obviously isn't because it's a very very big explosion. But it's also ridiculous because he 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 gets close to it. Yeah. Decides to go to the other side of the hatch. Yeah. Bring the hat to bring the bomb inside to the good side yeah. to where he is. B- press the button to four seconds. Yeah. Which is obviously not enough time to run away from a bomb. Yeah. He was close enough. He could have. Do- he could have done it. He could have just done it. Yeah. And then and and lived, but he didn't. He set it to four seconds, and then Christian Sater and Tara Reid are climbing out the top of the uh, escape thing hatch. that he's hatched that hutch. he's uh, hutch, hutch, that they shot open. Yeah. Um, and uh, the bomb is so powerful that the explosion goes, goes all the way up the tunnel yeah. and that's so presumably obviously Dorf is dead I'm just like well he kind of deserved to he's stupid he didn't need to do any of that yeah. he didn't yeah. even have to have any kind of Mexican standoff they weren't even close to him at yeah. that point um, and then they've uh, they realised that outside the orphanage yeah they go in Nun's dead so he's at Aristotelian yeah. he's been killed by one of the 
darkness monsters, yeah. not Justin Hawkins. Um, and Christian Slater closes her eyes. Yeah, he and I'm does. like, well, unless she died half an hour ago, that ain't gonna work. Yeah. Um, and then you get a bit of narration from him as they're walking down the street. Yeah, I forgot that he narrated the film because mm. it's only like the four, third or fourth, well, yeah. fourth bit of narration in the film. I think third one yeah. from Christian Slater. And he's like, well, that's all done, but you know, but they're out there now. Uh, and it's good. This is all going to be a whole different world that we have to live with these monsters in our world. And I was like, well, actually, you didn't. You didn't have to do that because what you did was a really stupid idea. Because <laughs> blowing up, blowing up the door is just going to make it e- like they easier don't, for more to come not through. Just do you think it's just those five that are near the door? And yeah, that's it. Yeah, You've shown us a whole world. You should have just not blown the- them up. Left, Not them that left, left the door left, shut. It was doing fine for yeah. 10,000 years. Um, so they made Very the bizarre. whole situation much worse. And then you get this weird little... Mm-hmm. Imagine what that looks like in visual form. Uh, yeah. A uh, little speedy shot from the point of view of one of the little... Darkness creatures. Darkness creatures. Not Dustin Hawkins. Obviously attacking. And I'm like, oh, so Christian Slater and Tori Dan, but it doesn't matter. It cuts to black. That's the end of the film get a lovely little uh, Celtic uh, uh, song, uh, music. metal, core, Celtic weird thing when yep. Nightwish yep. Um, that we'll probably play at the end. Uh, and and that's it. That's the film. Um, well, I don't really know what happened for 100 minutes. Um, it was nonsense. Uh, it's pretty it was, stupid. Didn't need to to happen none of it needed to happen really it's been made by someone who doesn't understand how filmmaking works Mm. and doesn't understand how storytelling works and a studio have given that person not enough money to have full confidence in him yeah but definitely enough money to get a lot of people in trouble yeah and i don't know why any of that happened and it probably seriously damaged Slater's career like he's not been known for his great choices in movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not a great actor, but he's a, a good enough actor to be, you know, managed well, paired up with directors who understand how to get a good side of him. You know, as I get Broken Arrow, one of the best yeah. films I've made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Strong, strong claim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that being said, as always with these podcasts, we're not here just to shoot them down in flames like a phosphorescent bullet onto a darkness uh, representing creature. We are here to rebuild out of the ashes. True romance. Was he in True Romance? Yeah, the years. I was trying to think of like the yeah. best. But I think it's True Romance. Is, oh, I think my favourite comedy. I was on, right on a roll there. I know, I realised that. Oh, Sorry. it was beautiful. It was, it was lovely. Do it again. Say exactly the same thing <laughs> again. We are not here just to shoot down these movies like a... Uh, darkness representing creature we are here not justin hawkins not justin hawkins uh with phosphorescent bullets we are here to build up out of the ashes using the remnants of this film uh uh, and build uh, a, a new imagining of what alone in the dark might be if callum and david made it better so things uh that i like uh that i think we can use i like the idea of a protagonist being haunted by these mm. dreams that he can't quite understand. I like the idea of a protagonist not being able to access memories before a certain age and doesn't quite know why, and mm-hmm. all this kind of thing. And I like the idea that so uh, the original game, the 1992, 
Alone in the Dark game was very, very heavily influenced by the stories of H.P. Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plug for a previous podcast. We did a whole podcast episode from Any Request series about H.P. Lovecraft. That was a lot of fun, actually. Do go back and and listen to that if you want to learn more about Lovecraftian style. Um, But one of the big things about Lovecraft was he was always about the fear of the unknown. That's what he was obsessed about, was that's the scariest thing, is is not showing. So, So that's something that I like about the sleeper agents that there's something quite mysterious about them mm-hmm. i mean we we sort of made fun of it but there is something that could be interesting about this idea of you're not quite sure why he's being shot and doesn't die and what's going on if, mm-hmm. if it was if it had been better made and better acted and better done i think there's something quite interesting about that um well there's also it's a, it's a kind of a, a thriller horror trope as well that yeah. we've seen work really well the idea that the the villain doesn't seem to be able to unrun, un, outrun you doesn't seem to be able to outfight you but always is five steps behind you. Yeah. How can they? How can they do that? Why won't you just die? You know, yeah. That, yeah. that yeah. great kind of frustration that you get as a viewer is good fun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, keeping that in mind and those elements that that, that I like of it, and also trying to pay homage a little bit to to the the um, Lovecraftian aspects of the, of the source material of the video game. Um, I think we. Uh, Number one, obviously, get rid of the prologue. Yeah, just bin it. I think you open with this confusing dream sequence, mm-hmm. and you have Christian Slater wake up. I whether he's on a plane or not, I, I'm not really particularly yeah. bothered about. But he's being played by these uh, dreams, yeah. and the dreams are him being followed or attacked or or seeing strange behaviour or violent behaviour in people that are now his adult friends but they're people that he grew up with and you can keep the flashback in of an orphanage but uh, and 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 maybe you have the story of the of of the children being being abducted but i think you want to do that in a slightly more clever way in a way that makes sense and you understand yeah who the character of hudgens is what what his motivation is why he's taking these children away and also let's use memory you know when you have a nightmare as an adult often you wake up and you are reminded of when you had a nightmare as a child and yes. i think often you think oh god that reminds me of when and you suddenly yeah. you go back into your past yeah and you remember things that you haven't you know yeah uh visited for a while yeah and so i like this idea of the sleepers mm-hmm. being these people that he grew up with as children in the same orphanage as him that you know that some of them he's still friends with then and it's and it's actually about the fact that these people are, uh, around him are acting a bit strange. They're acting mm-hmm. a bit off. Um, and I'm not quite sure why. I I, I would uh, use uh, the brilliant uh, uh, Adrian Lin film Jacob's Ladder, Tim Robbins, as a as 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 a, as a touchstone for this. That, that a film that does that really well about questioning the uh, tr- kind of truth and integrity of what your protagonist is seeing. Yeah. Um, Having a slightly that's... unreliable narrator yes. is a really interesting way to tell stories yes absolutely um, and I, I think also this idea of having you know the relationship with the friends the people that he grew up with people who do that um could just be because you have really good relationships but when you stay in touch and you have a, a, a an emotional responsibility for those people often it's because you've been through something or shared something and i think that's quite interesting um that we have this tiny scene that was done so badly you know, and I got a dist because I'm like, why, why bother saying that you're gonna come and be responsible to help John's wife find John, and you're like, I'm gonna deal with mm. it, and then never go back to it. Actually, let's maybe explore the character of John. Yeah. Maybe you're always doing things to kind of help out, and what is the motivation behind that? 
let us maybe discover that throughout the film yeah. that there's a reason why you feel responsible and that you're trying to fix something yeah with with john or other people the sleepers yeah who were not only experiencing this problem but you already have an existing bond with yeah so i so i think as the film progresses you start to as an audience become less and less aware of what is dream mm-hmm. and what is really happening so he's so you do you, you get that chase sequence with the guy that can't be killed and yeah is that in his head or is that really happening and 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 you add a few more different scenes like that with other of these sleeper people suddenly friends turning on him john suddenly starts attacking him like he does in the big one of the big fight sequences you keep that kind of thing in and then maybe you intercut it with uh kind of backstory and 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 it's intercut with flashbacks of what hudgens was up to with mm-hmm. these children which was maybe he uh you talk about the abkhani as this ancient civilization i don't think you specify i think you say it's an ancient civilization that were here uh before the first nation before the people we thought were here in, mm-hmm. on the north american continent you know um and that rather than them being aware of some weird cgi monster darkness underworld that that they taking this idea of gold and the elements mm-hmm. and things like that that they were alchemists yeah great. and they were uh they learned how to utilize elements in a way chemically that we have not been able to rediscover mm-hmm. and they used it as as uh, something that they would ingest or something that would basically uh, create a different chemical compound within children and young people that would mm-hmm. make them almost indestructible yeah and that's why the sleepers are like that and that they're shot and they can't you know yeah um and that's why he he got to this orphanage i think you need to come up with a story about what the nun's connection is to all whether the mm-hmm. nun is maybe it's here maybe it's Hudgens' sister I, I don't know but there has to be some kind of link there why she why he chooses this specific orphanage that that needs to be explained you can't just go oh, okay fine it's whatever like it need we need yeah. to know why this specific orphanage why she's complicit in it mm-hmm. and i think you need to discover all of those things um and and therefore you go oh or maybe it isn't all in his head because you're showing us as an audience these things happening yeah um and and and, and as and and this sort of pacing wise is being uncovered as christian slater's finding out more about it i think and i think what's really key about that is that not only as we do an audience go oh he's not mad this is happening Mm -hmm. is also a realization for your i mean maybe maybe not christian slater but whoever the actor is you know this character of edward has to at some point question him his own sanity yeah. and decide to go down the rabbit hole because that's his only option. Yeah. It's, it's Again, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been done a million times before, but in order to give credibility to an audience, you need to see the character go on that journey. One of the biggest problems with this film is that Christian Slater has his first line after his narration is, I'm a paranormal investigator. Yeah. I, therefore, I believe in things that the audience don't. And it's very hard mm-hmm. for us to get on board with him unless we've been given a reason for that. Yeah. Um, you know, men in black do this really well and very mm. efficiently in about mm. three sentences where they go, we kill aliens. Like, yeah. that's that's what we do. Like, yeah. you, you just buy it. And, and, and I think that that's really key, uh, whether you're going down a fantasy route or, a, or an entertainment kind of kids film or, or you're going for something a little bit deeper, which I think with this particular make it better we are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um 
So I really, really love that. Um, I also think to give it credibility, and also I think a nice way of, of linking in with the, the Lovecraftian idea of the unseen threat. Right, we talked a lot about the weird and the eerie and the difference between yeah. things being there when they shouldn't and the absence of things that should be there being there whether that's sanity or a literal monster having an unseen threat there um, and so also maybe there's an idea of, of there being a kind of science based you know, alchemy yeah. uh, but then also perhaps uh, a, a threat to all of that, a side product of this um, a, that's creating the sleepers that also is going to be a threat to other people, yeah. perhaps a virus perhaps something from uh, nature that our evil kind of mad scientist is unwittingly leaking kind of yeah. and it reminds me again of the the bbb forbidden planet where he's yeah. like oh i created the monster in the id but i didn't i realized that in order to kill it i have to kill myself because yeah. i've created it it's that kind of wonderful sci-fi psychology or pseudo psychology mm-hmm. um and again the same very much with the tempest which is what it's based on and, yeah. and that shakespearean sense of once you open in this case with alone in the dark literal pandora's box yeah what happens and and i think we can look at a little bit more detail what happens in nature um especially if we look at it from a post-pandemic point of view Mm. what happens when we go into parts of the environment where humans are not prepared for and so the will to try and prepare human race for that can be seen as a good thing Mm. but the destruction the trauma it causes actually there's a moral there that perhaps towards the end of the film we realise we shouldn't be messing with alchemy or trying to change the genetic makeup of of humans. Maybe we should be living in symbiosis with the world yeah. we're in rather yeah. than trying to fight that environment. Yeah, and I think um, as we were talking about off uh, off off the recording as well is is uh, you were you were saying about the the idea that you could also play into environmentalist um, yeah. angles as well in terms of how how is he. Uh, how it, how is Hudgens getting all of these artifacts from this ancient? You know what what what's yeah. what rainforest is he digging up and things like that? And you can there are interesting aspects I think of of that discussion that you could have in this film, um, a, a, as well about about um, yeah, overly excavating and and what that does to the natural landscape and what that does um environmentally i think is 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 interesting as well and like are you like mining conversations and things like that and yeah yeah is he is he fracking for these indestructible elements and well, well quite clearly and I, I, yeah. you know, I only mentioned you know the post-pandemic because i think it's you know david attenborough's you know uh, statement about the fact that the reason why we are getting extreme strains of flu such as covid19 and the like because we're going into parts of the environment of our world that we are not ready for. Mm. So not only is it bad for the environment and it will lead to our eventual extinction, we're speeding up our own extinction by exposing our fallible selves, our vulnerable selves, yeah. to parts of the world we haven't evolved to. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's really interesting as well. Um, I want to go back to this idea that there's something psychological that uh, our kind of main character mm. is working through here. And I wonder at what point we kind of drop the veil on that, or whether we continue through the movie a little bit longer. No, I th- I think we continue. I think broadly the film can kind of be what it is, albeit the obvious things that we say. We never obviously it's going to be better written, better acted, all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, whatever. That's a that's, given. That's a given. Um. But from a plot point of view, I don't think it has to change that much, just the removal of the monsters, but you can still have big action sequence set pieces with yeah. 
the sleepers versus the the you know seven thirteen you know uh, fighter squad. Yeah. Um, and and you had an interesting idea about Stephen Dorff's character about him being uh, almost there as a character for Christian Slater to kind of um, remove himself as the hero and put his faith in it, and so actually suddenly. You, as an audience you go oh maybe this is the guy we're meant to actually be rooting for and then and again because you've already got this idea of is he an unreliable narrator is 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 he okay to be leading this you know psychologically and and, and actually you have uh this kind of quintessential hero heroic action movie star of Stephen Dorff actually going I'll lead the charge I'll do this and, um, and it's a slightly more believable where you go okay we've got this fallible you know uh confused haunted uh hero that we're following why would he have all the skill sets necessary to mm. fight off these mm. you know sleepers and everything he wasn't aware of before the film yeah. started well he's not he's just got the information and sharing it and doing mm. something about it in order to actually allow Stephen Dorff to kind of get us yeah. through uh yeah. the film I, I think it's slightly kind of more charming yeah. as well um so, 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 so something, something else I'd add as well uh is uh Tara Reid right yeah it is very odd that they don't utilize the fact that her character is Hudgens' assistant and has been working with him for years. That yeah. will surely structurally, narratively, that is your conduit for information about Hudgens that she can relay that you wouldn't be aware of, and, yeah. and she can be the catalyst for for discovery about things about Hudgens that she's never used as in this film. That clearly she should be. Otherwise, why would you make her? the assistant to Hudgens as well as being the love interest for Slater. I'm, I'm glad you said this because I, I actually wanted to mention Tara Reed's character uh, a little bit earlier, but I realised I was falling into a pretty kind of gender stereotype trap. Mm. So I'm going to be open about that because um, I'm not going to do it. So I can, and I'm mm. going to tell you why. One of the reasons why uh, having a Tara Reid character in this um, is... Ignore the fact that she's a famously beautiful woman. Um, But it's important also for an unreliable narrator who's going through a period of of, of traumatic, haunting nightmares, getting in touch with his potentially traumatic past, being thrust into a world of action and heroism Mm. that they're not necessarily used to. It's important for them to have someone in their life who grounds them. Yeah. Um, for for Blade, it's the Chris Christopher's um, mm. character. Yeah, the, um, the mentor. The mentor. Yeah. You need the mentor. Uh, but for 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 other you know hero films, it's often the love interest mm-hmm. grounds them, reminds them who they are, lets them know they're not mad. I know you. Yeah. I, I, no one else knows you, but I know you, and I know you're not mad. But this is also re- one of the reasons why women get pushed into the sidelines of mm-hmm. not really knowing anything, not really being useful, but therefore moral support so the guy can do the thing. Mm-hmm. And I, as soon as I realised that's what I was getting that from, I was like, right, delete that. Mm-hmm. Having said that, the function of having someone who, who knows that person intimately can be really powerful, especially if instead of being some accessory, they're yeah. actually the font of the knowledge, they have the, Ex- the scientific exactly. background. Exactly. So I think yeah. that really solves that problem yeah. of going, actually, this character can be hugely important yeah. and not just there on Christian Slater's yeah. arm while he blows up some monsters. Exactly, yeah, and yeah, exist in in her own right as a character on, on her own merits and, and adding things and having strengths that... that the other two don't have and yeah 
absolutely um and and then as i say the whole kind of film can kind of happen as is up until the end and now uh strap in Mm -hmm. um this is a great i think it's a great gamble so yeah so i had an idea i i ran it past callum before we recorded uh because i'm not sure but and 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 this might be a sort of (laughs) anti-church prejudice of mine but i uh and then it's it's a mass generalization and 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 uh, and, and maybe is is negatively feeding into a stereotype but but uh when i thought about the religious orphanage and these children being abducted uh i sort of thought about historic child abuse hmm. in in monasteries in in in, the catholic, in the catholic church but lots of lots, lots of organizations of, lots of organizations uh but but uh, there, there is uh, sadly uh, a lot of history of of child abuse in 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 religious orphanages and things like that um so because of a certain you know it is abuse of these children in mm-hmm. the film uh i i made that connection and i thought what if the whole film is actually an allegory uh for christian slater trying to forgive himself for the guilt of being this one out of the 20 that was able to escape and actually he never has been able to fully deal with that guilt of being the one that got away and and and, and survivor's you know, in, guilt in, in it survivor's guilt thank you yes and and maybe that's what he's haunted by is actually the the faces of, of the people that were around him as, as children that and and, and and not being able to look them in the eye and, and therefore or being yeah haunted by them or making monsters out of them himself because actually he felt like he's the real monster and it's all projection and and i just thought that maybe there was something in that um and and then you uh uh built on that with i think a, a brilliant concept for what the ending uh, could be so yeah it's again it's a bit of a <clears throat> it's a bit of a, a a big one but i think done well I think this could be really useful because I think this, the idea of, of and, it, and, and it is a, a story all too familiar, really, of people waking up in their adult lives when they think that they've got themselves into a pretty sorted position, suddenly finding other parts of their life incredibly difficult with their mental health, uh, finding that their memories are coming back in fragmented, patchy ways that trigger huge trauma responses like dissociation uh, and a real desire to try and fix that is innate in a lot of uh, adults who haven't properly processed the trauma they experienced as a child. And so one of the many kind of uh, therapeutic methods of trying to deal with that, whether it's from a kind of Jungian, Freudian uh, psychological basis or more modern kind of CBT and things like that, you, the the aim would be to guide the person who has experienced that trauma and not processed it back through it in a way that makes sense of it and allows them to come to terms with what's happened in a way that not only forgives the aggressor uh, uh, but accepts that 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 that, tr- that did happen but also forgives themselves as a victim mm. um, and 
uh, a lot of people saying, why do you have to forgive yourself as a victim? Um, unfortunately, this is how an awful lot of people's minds work when it comes to processing. Uh, certainly child abuse, certainly the type of historic child abuse we're talking about within the Catholic Church or other organisations. So allowing uh, our, um, our central character an hour and 15 minutes mm-hmm. to go through a metaphorical, allegorical battle where they are guided by a hero who has strength. They're guided by a mentor or an oracle uh, who gives them information and grounds them in the truth of who mm-hmm. they are and allows them to build the pieces of the puzzle which again, I think some of the ancient idea mm. about a puzzle being built, you know, mm. like the Matt films, um, yeah. is really lovely because that is often what happens through mm. therapeutic uh, kind of trauma response, trauma informed therapy is mm. putting those pieces of the puzzle together, making sense of what happened, and then letting go of that as something that you don't have to carry anymore. Mm-hmm. What if the hour and 15 minutes we'd been seeing? was not just the mental realisation of our central character having to finally deal with their survivor's guilt and the trauma he and 19 other people uh, in his orphanage experienced, but was actually a guided therapy session uh, using VR. Um, perhaps even technologically, if you want to kind of go down the sci-fi route, let's go mm-hmm. into lean into the Oculus. Or if we, mm-hmm. if we were to make it now, this would all be happening in the metaverse. And this is exactly what is happening now mm. in the metaverse, which is, you know, real, you know, VR sessions or AR sessions with your therapist, mm. where you walk through the town that you mm-hmm. don't want to walk through anymore. Mm. You walk through the rooms that you walked through as a child in order to view them again and see them new again and make peace with them. I also think this is where the Stephen Dorff character comes mm. into play. Because often there will a child who has experienced trauma will think of a person, a figure, a uh a saviour character. Uh and they might well have been helpful to them, but they also often aren't people who were really saving people, mm. they were just around and not causing harm. And I think the idea that for Christian Slater's central character to really come to terms with it it can't be Stephen Dorff that wins and saves the mm. day. It has to be him who does the the thing that saves the day. And so if it was a standoff at the end with a bomb, mm. you know, oh my God, Stephen's got the bomb. Tara Reid turns to Christian Sater and says, who's, who's Stephen Dorff? Mm. Uh, actually, he looks down at his hands and he has the bomb and he yeah. can do the thing that needs to be done to beat the demons, to, you know vanquish the the trauma of the the sleepers mm-hmm. and also the survivors got within himself mm-hmm. really he was the hero he needed the whole time mm-hmm. he just needed the help of people around him to see that and suddenly you've got a situation that again is quite similar to jacob's ladder as you've said yeah. where what we've been watching is an action adventure film that dabbles in you know uh pseudo historical sci-fi mm-hmm. Uh, commenting a little bit on environmentalism and you know viruses and alchemy and why we try and change why are we trying to change in the same way why are we trying to change the environment around us to fit Mm. humans in the same way why are we trying to prepare children for trauma or children make them invincible Mm. so that they grow up to deal with how bad the world is why aren't we changing the world around us Mm. Um, that to me is a much more interesting yeah. film and also in that Jungian sense much more Lovecraftian yeah 
and and I love the idea of the whole film being him essentially almost walking through a video game when the film itself is based on a video game. It, it's a lovely, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a lovely yeah. kind of touch there. And yeah. and and you know, a, a, not it's not meant to sound funny, but uh, but it re- it it does add a. a deeper meaning to the phrase alone in the dark because that is often what a lot of people in that situation feel like they are alone in the dark when they're when they're inside their own trauma you know and they're not able to 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 break through that so it sort of adds a another meaning to the title of the film as well which i i really like so yeah we said it's it's out there it's out there a bit uh it's brave it's it's brave uh but i think you'll agree we are still using all the ingredients all the ingredients of the film are there the character characters are there. Know. We've said broadly the middle part, middle part of the film, middle third of the film is could be almost exactly the same, just minus the monsters. We're talking about a sensitive setup on the, in the first third, where a mm. lot of the uh, markers for the backstory of our central characters are there, um, and a very delicately handled uh, kind of denouement, uh, uh, really, and 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 kind of um, ending. But yeah, the majority of the chunk of the movie is very much true to uh, to the Alone in the Dark that we've just seen. <clears throat> just think we can take some of the ideas that are there, stretch them out into what we know or what the human experience is. And I think you'd actually be getting a lot closer to what video games do, which is allowing people the chance to live out a fictional scenario, you know, live out the truth un- under... Uh, under um, imagine circumstances which of, of course is what all of drama is absolutely and it's absolutely. why we do it so it can be cathartic so using that slightly meta medium there um i think it could be a really nice way to deal with quite a difficult subject matter and quite a real subject matter whilst also allowing uh, our heroes and therefore our viewers the chance to uh, be the hero of our own story battle our demons put the pieces of the puzzle together and ultimately forgive ourselves for not having the tools to deal with things that should never have happened to us anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so there we go. That was us making Alone in the Dark better. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as always, please do uh, get in touch with us on all of our socials. So it's at CadmibCast on uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, you can send us an email, uh, cadmibcast at gmail.com. Uh, and of course do find us on Spotify on Apple Play on wherever you get your podcasts from Uh, next week you uh, will be joining us as we discuss the 2000 supernatural horror film Bless the Child starring Kim Basinger and Christina Ricci Uh, it follows a woman who discovers that her niece whom she has adopted is being sought by a satanic cult seeking to use her supernatural abilities I love all that stuff uh, it has 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, maybe I'll uh, And it received almost universally negative reviews from oh, critics. Poor Kim Basinger. Uh, She'll always have 8 Mile. Robert Kohler of Variety said combines the most rudimentary of Catholic-inspired good versus evil plots with visual effects that would barely pass muster in episodic TV. So Oof. we are going to uh, dissect that for you and see if we can do any better next week. In the meantime, I have been David Shopland. And I've been Callum Hughes. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. I wish I had an angel